Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Ah, yeah, let's get after it. Show's brought to you on this Tuesday, as it is every Tuesday, by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups, bringing communities together. Our text line, powered by the Capital Auto Group, 936-6262. You can also call that number locally, or one 767 A little later on, pick the score for a chance to go watch the Riders' second-last home game of the year. Hard to believe we're saying that already, isn't it? Flying yeah, by. It is. Uh, October 7th against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They got some business to take care of, though, first. It's going to be a game in BC on Friday. And the season series hangs in the balance. Lions Ooh. won 20 or 19 9 last time we were there. Riders won the game here against the uh, British Columbia Lions uh, before they beat the BC Lions. So the uh, season series hangs in the balance. The Riders entertain any, now don't laugh, but if the Riders entertain any hopes of finishing second, they have to win this game. They have to win out and get some help, but winning this game would give them another season series against a Western Division opponent, which actually, when you think about it, the Riders have done. So they beat BC, split with BC so far, split with Winnipeg so far, took two of three from Edmonton, and have split with Calgary. They've done well against their own division. Yeah, which is, it's just the, the games that they should win, they haven't they, won. They haven't been winning, no, and that's the that's the crazy thing. Okay, uh, speaking of the Riders, good news, Philip Blake was back at practice, made his first start last week in Ottawa. Didn't finish the game, Singer, but he did practice uh, today. We didn't see Peter Godbrew practicing, and it would be bad for Godbrew if he missed this game to be, uh, going back to BC, because if you remember... With that left-hand injury, he didn't play the first time in BC, so hopefully he can get back and play against his former team, and it would also help the Riders' offensive line out. I'm not just saying from a sentimental standpoint for him, but for the team standpoint. Jamal Morrow was back at practice. Trevor Harris was there as a spectator, as I told you, uh, on Friday in Ottawa. He was running up and down the sidelines in his... his, T-shirt and gym shorts, so he is getting closer. I did talk to him outside the hotel, and he's in good spirits, and he said, you know what? I said, are you coming back? Because he had told me, I'm planning for the end of October. He goes, listen, I'm taking it a day at a time. I don't want to be you know, maybe I was a little over-optimistic, jumped the gun, but he said we're still on pace and things are looking good, so cross your fingers. Uh, CFL news. Internationally renowned musician Carrie Underwood will perform at the Built in the Hammer Grey Cup Music Festival ahead of this year's Grey Cup game. Underwood's performance will occur at the First Ontario Centre in Hamilton Friday, November 17th as part of a series of concerts leading up to the main event on Sunday. So, Carrie Underwood, she made her first appearance at a what, in an NFL game, you told me? Well, I was just going to say, like, what's going to be the halftime show then? Like, she should be the halftime show, I, I, shouldn't she? 
Or would it take away from the game? Would it everyone just be no, looking forward to it? No, well, well, the NFL has huge uh, acts, although I wouldn't consider well, that, Usher very huge. That's the thing. Like, you're not going to get anybody bigger than Carrie Underwood I'm not to perform a, Yeah, that's halftime. right. And they probably should. Uh, maybe she will. I don't know. They haven't announced the halftime show. I will. She should be the halftime show, not performing 48 well, hours before the Well, and you're right. Game. That does look stupid. It, it, it's a good move by them to have her in there. Imagine promoting, promoting the game, Carrie Underwood, yeah. halftime show, Canadian football. People yeah. from the States would be tuning in all over the place I like why you why 48 hours before yeah you got her in the hammer just push your 48 so who's gonna be the who's gonna be the halftime show i don't know they're gonna get some willy-nilly band from out back to would you be happy if they, would you be happy if they had a nickelback do halftime yeah because they've been on tour I'd be, I'd be they're they're popular they're canadian everybody thinks it has to be a canadian act. I, I, I don't it, i think it's about time that we have a good old classic Good you know, rock and roll band. Good rock and roll. Get yep. the drums, the yes. electric guitar. Yes, let's go. Bring back those days. Too well, much- our Kells were the last time it was in Hamilton a couple of years ago. So, uh, <laughs> well, that was kind of rock. <laughs> so I don't know. Like uh, she should be the halftime. But you're show, absolutely right. right. Like you have, she's going to overshadow whoever the halftime show is. I, I don't know. I don't know. Unless why, unless it's somebody like Nickelback. And yes, I do like Nickelback. Uh, speaking time of- to see it. Yeah, that's right. Hey, uh, how about this? (laughs) CFL. We have the best game on turf, okay? But we've never been able to market. We can't figure out our stats. We can't schedule as we've talked about it. The NFL has this right. They always have their champion be the game that opens up the season, right? Yeah. It was prime. We gave the Argos a bye in week one. The champions didn't even play in week one. So we have waited this long to have the Argos versus the Blue Bombers. And it's their only meeting of the season. And because the Eastern Division sucks or has sucked and Toronto's been a juggernaut, they are home and cool now. They've got everything in the bank and it's all good for them now. They got a home playoff game, one game to get to the Grey Cup in Hamilton. It's not even a true Argo bomber. No, because Cameron Dukes is going to be the starting quarterback. They say Chad Kelly might get some snaps. Eh, No, he won't. And kudos to Ryan Dinwiddie. He doesn't need to play Chad Kelly. The Bombers... They want a pound of flesh. You see what they did to the Riders after we embarrassed them. You saw what they did to the BC Lions after they got embarrassed by the Lions on home turf. You know they're ticked off and they want to send a message in front of their rabid fan base to the Argos. Well, the Argos are like, well, we're not taking the cheese. We're not doing that. Like We don't, and we I don't think care. The Argos want to beat them with their backup quarterback, too, because that would just make them look like the best yeah. team. In the world, in the world, so they're not going to play. Uh, they're not going to play uh, Dukes. I think what's his name's on the sixth game, Andrew Harris. So he won't play. So uh, I'm not blaming the Argos, but I blame the CFL. That should have been the first game out of the blocks, yeah, Toronto needs, and Winnipeg. If that was going to be your own. Okay, there's two points here. If that was going to be your only game for those two teams to meet, it should have been like week one, first game. That's how we start the season off. And if you want to have it in Winnipeg, great, because of scheduling conflicts. But here's the other thing, dude. We are in a nine-team league. It already is considered Mickey Mouse because we have nine teams and they have 32, they being the NFL, okay? And we'll never compete with that, nor do I think we should worry about competing with that. But if you only have nine teams, Zinger, why? 
Oh, why? Nobody has given me a good excuse as to why we don't play each other home and away. Yeah, I've been... I mean, obviously, obviously we don't play in Toronto because we played them in Halifax and they're coming here. But, like... It used to... We used to. Yeah. Like, when... I believe every single season back when there were eight teams, like, every, yeah, every, right. every single year we would play there and at least once So here. Cody, so Cody. So what happened? So Cody's not coming here. We don't get Cody here. And we, oh, okay. and we don't get to go, and we don't get to go to Hamilton. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was my Cody joke. Sorry. I know that. I got it. I was laughing yeah. inside. Um, so it's the CFL that should be blamed again, not the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, Monday night football yesterday, Eagles beat Tampa twenty-five to eleven. The Eagles started last year eight zero. The defending NFC champs are three zero this year. They haven't looked particularly great. Hurts threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown, but that's the key to any, uh, and that's kind of what troubles me about the Riders. Offensive and defensive lines travel, right? They travel well on the road. If you got a good, stout defensive line and a solid offensive line, you should be in every ball game home and away. Rough Riders have, well, they're really struggling defensively on that line now in the front seven. The offensive line, because of injuries, has been a, a patchwork situation. It was better than last year. But the Eagles, they can just go into your stadium and beat the hell out of you. Like they could just, yeah. like they win a tug of war every week. The only team that could, compete with them in the NFC that way is the San Francisco 49ers. Now, the running backs in the Eagles, they don't get touched until like five, seven yards downfield almost they, every single run. They I, like, absolutely I've, never, get, I've never seen anything like no, that. No, they absolutely smash them. So uh, the Eagles are 3-0, and and it's it's them and the 49ers right now. Uh, I still think your Packers, I, I looked at your Packers schedule, man. There are some W's on there. Raiders, yeah. Broncos. Broncos. Um, I saw a couple of other ones. Bears, Chargers. Bears, bear, <laughs> probably because we'll blow Break it. up Sunday. Probably because we'll blow it. But do you know what I'm saying? No, I know. There's some wins there for the for the, for the uh, Packers. I'm looking forward to this Thursday night game and how they line up at Lambeau Field against the Detroit Lions. Now the Bengals beat the Rams 19 to 16 in one of the most boring football games you will ever watch. I consider the Bengals my second team. Chargers, Bengals, and then I would probably say the Packers. Because because they're a community-owned team like the Riders. But the Bengals... Owner right here, by the way. Yeah. The Bengals aren't going anywhere with that right calf problem for Joe Burrow. He can't... Like, their O-line is porous. Uh, again, he's got a bad calf muscle. Um, and I, doesn't it feel like it's going to be a step back for the Bengals this year? Well, I think so, because it's even affecting the way he throws the ball. You could you could tell he's sailing yeah. some throws because, yeah. you know, you need your calves. Yeah. It's just, uh, I don't see the Bengals going anywhere I this will year. tell you this, man. The Browns already beat them once. The Browns are for real. The Browns are the team right now in that division. Wow. I believe that. And I'm not a Deshaun Watson guy. I, I, I don't want him to do well because he's a POS uh, of a human being. Hard to argue because the Ravens, they really got trounced versus Indy. And they then, lost and, to Indy. And then the, the Steelers, they won one against the Raiders Pittsburgh team is averaging 4.2 yards a pass. Uh, like If yeah, they don't get the pickings, they don't get it to anybody. Pick it to pickings. So I'm going, like the Browns, and I said the Browns, remember? I yeah, said yeah, the Browns. Did. Did. Um, Jets are signing former Bengals and Broncos quarterbacks uh, Trevor Simeon pending a physical. Did you hear this? Tyreek Hill wants to be a porn star. <laughs> He was doing a Twitch segment with Mike Evans of the of the uh, Buccaneers, and he he said, wow. "What are you gonna do after you retire? Be on TV?" He goes, oh, "I seriously, dude, I want to be a porn star." 
That's what he said. Wow. <laughs> Each to their own, I guess. Uh, Do your thing, I guess. Yeah, Yankees are playing the uh, Jays. Uh, the Jays are uh, nicely in the second wild card spot. The yeah. Houston, Houston roughed up Seattle. You screwed up yeah, my bed yesterday. I, was I, thinking about that. <laughs> I picked Houston, and then you said, "Oh, Seattle." So I switched it because you've had more betting success than me lately. So I I went and that screwed up my ticket last night. Thanks a lot. Appreciate. Was that, that the only one that? Yeah. 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 Oh, sorry about that. Oilers and Flames unveiled their jerseys for the Heritage Classic coming up here in October. Uh, Calgary in the road whites with red trim. I like the Oilers jersey, but not with the brown gloves and old brown pants. Doesn't look good. No. I like the brown gloves and the brown pants. Okay, this, like- is, this is supposed to be a game that okay. looks old school. Okay. And if you just trot them out there wearing the same old blue pants, well, what's the point? Uh, Make them look old school. Uh, I like the brown look. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you that then. Uh, I just, they can wear potato sacks with the Oilers logo on it as long as they crush the Calgary Flames. The jerseys are not bad. You know, some orange blocking on the shoulders, some orange stripes. You know, it's an honest looking. I don't I don't really like the Flames look, though. It's kind of just wear what you usually wear. Yeah, well, I don't like the Flames, period. Hey, uh, check this out. A shirtless man in Los Angeles. Now, this really isn't sports, but it involves sports, kind of. There's sports teams in L.A. There you go. No, no, no. This this, sports uh, equipment is used in this. Okay. A shirtless man in L.A. was chased and arrested for grand theft, auto, and robbery. The man fled in a golf cart with a medium-sized dog in his lap named Rocky. Here's the chase and the man. uh, Here's his audio. Check this out. Don't drink, don't do drugs, kids. That's one to grow on. And uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, but um, the Wienermobile is back after Oscar Mayer changed the name to the Frank Mobile just four months ago. It's a good thing that we have, we had like Blaine Wyland went down to cover the the news conference before he went to Riders practice. And and here's the official audio, okay? We at Oscar Mayer are changing the name of the Frank Mobile. Back to the Wienermobile. We thought about it long and hard and came to the conclusion that changing the name in the first place was the worst. Some bonehead in marketing made a ding-dong move and our customers got the shaft. I'm not trying to be cocky, but we took a vote with the staff and there wasn't a lot of stiff competition. So welcome back, Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Well, for a couple of years when we were talking with Regina High School Athletics, we were talking with our friend Aaron Anderson, but he's now uh, gone and we're pleased to be joined by the new commissioner of Regina High School Athletics, Dwayne L., former uh, well teacher and coach over at Riffle Miller. He's been around a long time. How are you enjoying this new gig? I'm uh, enjoying it quite uh, a lot, actually. It's been good. It's been challenging and busy, but I'm um, starting to get the hang of it. So what's been the biggest eye-opening thing, Dwayne? Uh, I guess it's just all the sports that are happening at once. Uh, you know, as the fall starts, we, I was dealing with five sports right at the get-go, so it's very, very busy. We're dealing with football, cross-country, volleyball, soccer, and provincial golf. So, And also introducing other sports as we're going for basically the winter sports. So it's been busy. So um, 
is scheduling a big issue, trying to get all that, make sure everything's, uh, all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed, or is that done well in advance? Uh, no, the only thing that's done in advance for the fall is football, soccer, and volleyball, and uh, is all at the beginning of the year. So it, it's busy, and then it's every the dynamics are always changing, right, with schools. And some teams are adding, some teams are dropping. I know you're, you've been a football guy a long time. Is there any other sport that uh, you've kind of uh, really enjoyed that wasn't football-related? Well, my first introduction to cross country, and I'm starting to enjoy it because it's a nice, uh, it's a nice, uh, nice pace, and uh, just being outside and being at Douglas Park is a great place to be. Hey, is flag football now sanctioned, like for a sport in high school? I know they're looking at it at youth sports, and it's spreading like wildfire. Is it is it uh, on the radar or uh, right now being uh, you know uh, played in high school? Um, at the moment, um, that'll come up as we get into the spring, but. Right now, I'm pretty sure it's a football sauce thing that runs the league, mm-hmm. and there is a provincial uh, tournament and body sanctioning it that way. So right now, how they're operating it, I think it's working really good because it allows a lot of teams per school to play. So, um, you know, I haven't heard anything to date, but maybe that's in the future. So you've always been a tackle football guy. What do you what is what do you make of that? The whole uh, you know football versus flag football and, and that type of thing. I think it's outstanding. More and more kids are playing it, and it's anytime you can get all play a different sport and uh, work on your skill development, it's a good thing. So let's talk about Regina High School football uh, right now. Action uh, rolling along, Miller's uh, <laughs> hammering everybody. But what about the rest of the field? Uh, you know what I mean? It's again, it's three weeks in. I have been able to, you know, view most of the teams. Uh, it's been good. Uh, I was really impressed with Campbell the other night playing Leboldis with, uh, you know, just with their offensive system and how they play defensively. So th- there's some very good football out in Regina right now, and it's it's great to see. All right. And uh, do you have a vision for uh, sports at the Regina High School uh, level now that you're sitting in the big chair, not just maybe focused on your uh, the class you're teaching or the, the team you're coaching? Uh, you know what? Aaron did an outstanding job. He was a very diligent, uh, hardworking man. High school sports is in a great spot. And, you know what I mean, I just continue to hope grow it as we go forward. And uh, that's about it. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, be, uh, it wouldn't be rolling though without volunteers. How is that side of things going? It's, it's busy, but there's a lot of volunteers like the Regina Kiwanis operating the football, which is outstanding. And then you have a lot of other people in behind the scenes that do a great job for us. Uh, with the city of Regina and those types of things and, you know, access, you know, promotes our games on TV. So it's been uh, very, very good. And we have Viterra doing our, our awards. So the community is heavily involved in high school sport and it's great. Do you miss being in the line of fire though, coaching, or are you done with that? I was done with it. I was basically done last November and, uh, you know what I mean? I, I've done it for a long time. Football was a part of my life for a long time, so it was good to move on from it and, you know, get into a different perspective. And uh, I'm enjoying it. I enjoy the job. Thanks very much for your time, Dwayne. We'll be in touch as the season rolls along. Thank you very much. My favorite player on defense, and there are a few of them. I love Larry Dini's consistent. 
Uh, I'm really interested to see what Albright does. By the way, Anthony Lanier II was in the interior today working where we thought he should be all season, and Albright's on the outside. So I want to see if that was a flash in a pan or six. What is he, 6'2", 240? Lean body coming around the edge. Lean, mean, fighting machine. Can't wait to see that. Anyway, uh, and I love Roland Milligan. He was my favorite till he got hurt, but C.J. Rivas is playing some excellent football. Here's uh, pardon me, uh, Blaine Wyland in conversation with him. I guess, C.J., what was kind of the takeaways when you watched back the film from Friday's game? Uh, we just didn't talk about as, as a unit, you know. Uh, sometimes we didn't, we didn't do, do our job myself. I didn't do my job on a, a certain play, you know, that causes a long run. So I just feel like we got to just give, like I said, it's the same thing every week. We got to just do our job, man, just tackle better, honestly. Now, this week at practice, you guys take a fresh approach, or is it kind of the same old routine? They one week, we took it down a little bit on the uh, physical side and more, like mentally, we uh, did more meeting time, less on-field stuff. So I think this week we just get back to the basics. Is there, when you look back at these last couple of losses, has there been kind of any trends on the defensive side, or has it just been like different things kind of acting up at different times? Uh, I think it's just the trend of just us. Uh, we got to get back to just uh, playing together as, as a unit. You know, I think we're not playing together as a unit, trusting each other, trusting ourselves. So I think we got to just get back to doing that. Playing together as a unit, from your perspective, maybe a little bit more as a linebacker, whether you're playing in front, yeah. in the front seven or the secondary. Maybe talk a little bit more how you guys, the three different levels of defense, have to work together. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the linebacker got to trust that the, that the D line will do their jobs as far as getting it, being in the right gaps and, and setting the edges or spilling the edges. And the DB got to trust the linebackers to be in the right gaps as well. So I think we got to just all know where we're going to be and trust that we're going to be there. It's kind of the frustrating the last two losses, the fact you guys started out well, but then kind of the midway through it kind of unraveled like it did. I think that's just all on the defense, to be honest, man. We got to just put things away. You know, we, we start off high and get them in the lead. Once we get up on teams, we got to just finish on teams. We got to be able to finish and choke them out. Is there something about uh, handling adjustments as well? Of course, we know at halftime there's a lot of adjustments. Is there something about that as well? Uh, I wouldn't say too much about adjustments. I think we got to just, like I said, just put things away. You know, like I said, we start off strong and, and we're up on teams. We got to just let me sure they don't score any more touchdowns. So that's just on the defense. If they don't score, they don't, they don't win, period. How do you feel you're doing yourself individually over these last few weeks? Uh, I feel like I've been playing well. You know, I'm not, I'm not playing my, my, my best as I can play, but I feel like I've, I've been playing well. I'm, I've been getting turnovers, you know. I just want to keep that going for the team. Do you feel more comfort as, as a, you know, playing the linebacker spot as opposed to deep, or is it, you know, you're fine with either position? Uh, I'm fine with either position. You know, I make plays at both. I feel like uh, wherever I'm around the ball more is just where I like to be. Just talk about, uh, do you guys try to get the same approach uh, as you guys did against BC last time, even though it's a few weeks removed uh, and you guys are going on the road this time? Do you still try to capture that energy you guys had leading up to that game against BC here? Yeah, I think we got to just, like I said, get back to the basics, uh, do our job, make sure we keep them in the pocket, make sure we cover well, and just, uh, like I said, play together and we'll be all right. Uh, you know, they get their their guy uh, runs back, you know, but like I said, for us it doesn't really change. We got to just do our jobs, uh, execute at a high level and just do what Shai tells us to do. In a situation when you guys kind of dropped the last couple of games, is there a kind of an onus, more pressure in terms of just getting the win just for the sake of getting the win and stopping them, uh, the pressure that's going against you guys? Yeah, I wouldn't say pressure. I think it's just about urgency. You know, we, we know we got to get a win. We've we not lost the last few games, you know, uh, to our own fault, you know, so we just got to just do do our job. It isn't on the coaches. It isn't on anybody but us, the players. We got to just do, do our jobs and make our plays. That's CJ Rivas. Hey, we got this text from Bob. Hey, Bob in Regina listens to the Sports Cage for one reason. Only latest news from Ryderville. Could Sports Cage have a practice report daily to keep fans up to date? Thanks for considering this. Bob, I don't know if you've listened to us. That's literally what we talk about 80% of the show is CFL and more specifically the Rough Riders. I don't know what you missed earlier, but Philip Blake is back practicing. Evan Johnson's at center because Peter Godber isn't practicing. Jamal Morrow was practicing. Jaden Dalkey's tracking to be back. Uh, Trevor Harris was there as a non-participant, but an observer. 
Anthony Lanier practiced inside on the D line. I don't know what to say. Anyway, Bob, uh, I do thank you for listening. Uh, Hopefully you can listen a little more closely. (laughs) This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And it's 3.34 with your sports ticker and the big news of the day in the Canadian Football League internationally. Renowned musician Carrie Underwood will perform at the Grey Cup Festival in Hamilton leading up to the big game. Underwood's performance will occur at the First Ontario Centre in Hamilton on Friday, November 17th as part of a series of concerts leading up to the main event on Sunday. The 110th Grey Cup will kick off on Sunday, November 19th at Tim Hortons Field. And the Toronto Blue Jays' quest to lock up a wildcard spot for a second year in a row continues tonight at Rogers Centre. Jays are slotted in the second wildcard spot going into play tonight. Kevin Gosman gets to start on the mound for Toronto. Yankees Blue Jays shortly after 5 o'clock. Time now for Cougars in the Cage. A weekly look at the sporting scene of the University of Regina. And we take a look at golf here on Cougars in the Cage. Carter Bell shot an opening round 76 and followed that up with a second day 75 to finish in second individually at the University of Lethbridge Invitational last weekend at Paradise Canyon Golf Course. Bell, who finished plus nine for the tourney, led the Cougars to a third place finish in team standings. Jackson Wingert tied for sixth at plus 15. Jackson Everts was 11th at plus 19. And Micah Tanger finished 14th at plus 23 as the four scores for the Cougars. Morgan McKay, the lone representative of the women's team at the event, finished 10th in the individual standings. McKay shot 96 in the opening round and 103 on the second day of competition. The Cougars will compete at the Dinos Invitational Tournament this coming weekend before finishing off their season at the Canada West Championships in early October in Abbotsford, B.C. That's Cougars in the Cage. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. The show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Let's talk a little NFL now as we head out in the Western Pizza Hotline, speaking with the senior editor and host of VEASAN tonight. That would be uh, Matt Humans. How are you doing today, Matt? Hey, doing well. I'm glad to be on the pizza hotline because it's uh, time for lunch. That sounds good to me. <laughs> it is uh, real good. Hey, so Matt, let's let's chat here about the, what we saw last night on Monday Night Football. Really, it looks like it's the Eagles conference for the losing. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, uh, seriously, it's, it's a marathon. And, uh, you know, injuries happen and things change over the course of the season. I don't know how many times I've seen, you know, a, a team that was hot in September be crowned Super Bowl champion by the media, and then that team fizzles and, and doesn't play well late in the season. So there, there's so many things to change over the course of the football season. I think the Eagles are going to be, yeah, they're no doubt your favorites, no doubt about it. And uh, last night they looked really good, dominated the Buccaneers, uh, outgained them by about 300 yards, dominant performance on Monday night. And that sticks uh, – in the minds of a lot of people. If you go back to last year, the Eagles had really narrow road wins over teams like the Colts, 
the Bears, the Lions. They've struggled on the road. They were lucky to beat the Patriots, I thought, in the season opener this year on the road. Uh, so I'm not going to go that far, but I, I do think there's no doubt the Eagles are the favorites. and We'll, we'll see who steps up to challenge in the NFC because it was, I, I was shocking to you and I'm sure everyone to see the Cowboys get beat at Arizona. Mm-hmm. Dallas looked like they had the most dominant defense in the NFL. And uh, it looked like it might be Cowboys-Eagles for uh, superiority in the NFC. But, boy, the Cowboys took a big step back this hey, week. Hey, typically, Matt, when you see like a, a home dog like that, 12 and a half, 13 points, do you always take the points and, and go that way when you're betting generally? I don't always. Uh, there are some dogs that I don't have any interest in, like the Chicago Bears getting yeah. uh, 12 points at Kansas City. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So... There, there are two different types of dogs. There are live dogs and dead dogs, and uh, you don't want to uh, you don't want to be on the dead dogs, and that's what the Chicago Bears have been. Things like that. I, I the Cardinals have surprised. You know, I think all three weeks they were very competitive at Washington. They had the New York Giants down twenty zero at halftime, and uh, then they had the Cowboys down twenty one ten at halftime, and actually closed the deal this time. So. Everybody, almost everybody, thought the Cardinals were going to be the NFL's worst team. Well, they're not the worst team. Yeah, that's the Bears for sure. Uh, also, yeah. also last night the Bengals did win nineteen uh, sixteen over the Rams. But it feels to me like that uh, that calf of Joe Burrow's is the entire franchise, and uh, it could be a struggle all season long. Yeah, I thought Joe Burrow said it best after the game last night. He said the risk of going. 0-3 was greater than the risk of him playing in that game last night because if he sits out and the Bengals go 0-3, their season's pretty much shot. So Burrow had to get out there, give it his best shot, and uh, I thought he pulled the team through there in the second half. Man, that was ugly to watch. I've had some trouble sleeping lately. But last night I slept really well because I put on the replay of the Rams-Bengals game and dozed right off. That was uh, some boring football last night. And I think what you said is uh, – Absolutely right, too, because Burrow's calf injury could linger. And if that's the case, man, that team's going to struggle to make the playoffs. AFC North is the toughest division in football with the uh, Browns, Steelers, Ravens, Bengals. And the Bengals were the favorites to win it. Right Mm -hmm. now they look like the weakest team in that division. And Joe Burrow's calf injury has a lot to do with that. He he was not pushing the ball downfield last night. It was a lot of short throws. And I think that probably had something to do with his cap injury. So until Joe Burrow gets right, it's going to be a struggle for the Bengals. Now, much along the lines when I opened this interview and you told me to cool my Jets, maybe we should cool our Jets on the Browns. But I said before the season, look out for the Browns. They got a pretty good team around Deshaun Watson. I think they're for real. I think they're going to be around at the end in terms of the playoffs. Uh, they will be. Browns, because of the defensive front, I think that defense is legit. It's one of the best in the NFL. Right now, if you look at the uh, top five defenses in terms of yards allowed in the NFL, Browns are number one. How about this? 164 yards per game. That's astounding. Crazy. Uh, you know, Buffalo is number two at 253 yards a game. Then you have uh, the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the Patriots. And there's no surprises there in the top five. But that, that Browns defense allowing 52 rushing yards per game, 10.7 points. Uh, that's going to keep Cleveland competitive in the AFC probably to the end. I'm concerned. I'm still concerned about Deshaun Watson. I know he put up good numbers 
against the Titans. He had, he had an embarrassing play in that game where he, he rolled right, he gets spun around, and he threw a pass in the wrong direction down the field. I've never seen an NFL quarterback <laughs> do something like that. Yeah. The way you're laughing, I think you saw the play. Yeah, I'm not. It's just, uh, yeah, huh? I'm not a big. I'm not a big believer in Deshaun Watson either. That's where I think the. Uh, that, uh, oddly enough, they gave him the most money, and I think that's where the undoing could be. Well, that's true, and I, I've said this about the Browns all summer. I like the team. I don't like the quarterback necessarily, and Deshaun Watson's got a lot to prove to me yet before I start to. Uh, Tout the Browns too much because he wasn't very good in that Monday night game at Pittsburgh, and he didn't have to be good in Week One against the Bengals because the defense dominated and Joe Burrow was injured, and Watson didn't have to do much in the rain that day. Uh, yeah, he looked better in Week Three against the Titans. We'll see. We'll see about Watson going forward. But I agree with you. I think he's the weak link of uh, one of the strongest teams in the conference. Uh, Matt, every week of every year. The Chargers play the most interesting game. Now I'm 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 a Chargers fan, long suffering since 1981. I have watched them waste the career of Dan Fouts. I watched them oh, yeah. waste the career of Philip Rivers, and I think they're about to waste the career of Justin Herbert unless they can get a coach that can actually like is is Brandon Staley trying to get fired? Well, that's interesting. First, tell me how you became a lifelong Chargers fan from where you live. Okay, I'll tell you right now. And actually, Troy Aikman referred to the CFL uh, last night on the broadcast, Tampa and Philly, saying Miami runs a CFL kind of offense. They got guys moving all over the place, and it's a speed type of game. I We only got one game a week up here back in the early 80s, and the very first Chargers game I watched was Chargers-Dolphins, that epic playoff game in overtime with Kellen Winslow oh, being yeah. helped off the field. And Dan Fouts was slinging the ball all over the field, Eric Coriel, and I'm like, this is a CFL kind of team. I'm going to cheer for them, and they've broken my heart ever since. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I remember watching that game as a kid, too, and I, I, I always liked those Chargers teams, the way they threw the ball around. Uh, fortunately, I'm not a diehard Chargers fan because if you are, you're going to die with the Chargers. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, what you're saying is uh, is right here. A lot of people <clears throat> say you can't figure out why the Chargers underachieve. I, I think it's simple. They've had the wrong coaches. They've hired the wrong coaches for the last 15 years, essentially. Marty Schottenheimer did a pretty good job with the Chargers. But if you look at some of the guys they've hired since, in over their head, and a lot of times when a team underachieves, that has a lot to do with the, the coach. And I, actually, the ownership at the top. I always say fish rots from the head down. And mm-hmm. Dean Spanos, one of the worst owners in the NFL. So you start with Spanos, but they've had a lot of bad coaching hires. And Brandon Staley seems to take some unnecessary risks, some uh, some bad gambles. Some of the gambles aren't as bad as people tend to think. Uh, now, when you look at the percentages, Staley going for it on his own 20-yard line against the Vikings in that situation. I didn't like it. I didn't have as big a problem with it as some people, but the play call was terrible. <laughs> Just hand the ball and run. try to run right up the middle. And how about coming up with something slightly creative? Uh, if you're going to gamble and the game's on the line on a play call like that, yeah, if the Chargers get the first down, the game's over. But if you're just going to hand the ball off and run it right up the middle, it's probably not going to work. So the the play call has been bad. I think Staley is one of those guys who's who's not really ready to be a head coach and doesn't have a lot of uh, 
sound reasoning by some of the risky decisions he makes. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping that what you said doesn't turn out to be true because I've been a big Justin Herbert fan since early in his college days at Oregon. And uh, he had coaches at Oregon that kind of held him back too. And hopefully uh, that's not the case with the Chargers. I did like the Kellen Moore hiring as yeah, was coordinator, good. but please, can you not run the ball straight up the middle on fourth and one, you know? Yeah, no kidding. Okay, Thursday we've got Detroit and we've got Green Bay. We we thought Detroit would be something. We weren't quite sure what Green Bay was going to be. Are you buying, holding uh, Packer stock after that comeback victory? I'm holding Packer stock from the summer. I bought him at 5-1 uh, to one odds to win the NFC North. I've uh, got him over 7.5 wins this season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll See, I, I thought the Packers have a really young, talented team that's got a high ceiling. And a lot of people don't like Jordan Love, but I do like Love. And I thought that he was going to be good enough for the Packers to win this year. You know, if you watch him in the first three games, he's calm. He's in control of the offense. He's not making, you know, big mistakes. And um, I think Love's got what what it takes. Packers are 2-1 right now. They blew a big lead at Atlanta in week two. They gave one away. Well, they got it back in week three. They stole one from the Saints. So they're even in that regard at two and one. But we haven't even come close to seeing the best what the Packers have yet because they've got so many injury problems. Uh, Aaron Jones has been out. Uh, you've had Christian Watson, your top receiver, out. So you got a top running back, a receiver, one of your top offensive linemen, David Bakhtiari. The Packers' top cornerback, Jair Alexander, was out against the Saints. They had four of their best players out that game. And came back to win it. So, but Packers get back to full strength. I'm going to be a lot more optimistic. I'm optimistic, but I love to see this team get back to full strength. About Thursday night, it's kind of a tough call for me because I still don't know who's going to be on the field for the Packers uh, Thursday night in this game against the Lions. And Packers have a long, long history of beating the Lions at Lambeau Field. Uh, Lions finally kind of exercised some of those demons in the last game against Aaron Rodgers at the end of last season, but. I'm not fully buying into the Lions either. That was one of my best bets last week was Lions over the Falcons. But I was kind of fading a Falcons team. I don't think that good either. Um, that's going to be a good game Thursday night. Let's hope we can get the Packers back to full strength soon because I want to see what that team's capable of. And lastly, Matt Humans, before I let you go, I had picked the Miami Dolphins to win the AFC East before the season, and they are nice. they are on fire. Are you a believer in what you're seeing there in Miami? I remember that segment on the show when you did that. You said you predicted Aaron Rodgers was going to go down with an injury. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, I I didn't predict that, but I did. I still thought. I thought the Dolphins, if Tua could stay healthy, and that's always the big question mark. They got a lot of talent and speed there. No, you're right. And you were talking about the CFL-type offense. And the Dolphins are fun to watch. They got speed all over the field on that offense. And I thought, you know, in week one, or week two, sorry, week two, Bill Belichick did a pretty good job of keeping the Dolphins down in that Sunday night game. I think they had about 350 total yards in that 24-17 win, and Tyreek Hill was held to four catches for 50 yards, and or five catches for 40 yards in that game, and not too many teams have held Tyreek down like that. I like, the, I like your pick. I think the Dolphins are going to win the division, and um, that's that's pending to his health, like you said, because if we know his concussion history. If he takes a couple hits and misses some time, things could maybe fall apart for this team. That's why I said you never want to jump to conclusions in the NFL because injuries can change a lot of things. 
Right now, I like your pick on the Dolphins win the division. This offense is even better than most people thought. And I do like the Bills, though, in this game uh, coming up this week. I like to fade teams off monster performances. The Dolphins just had 10.2 yards per play, 726 yards, 70 points. Uh, but I think this Buffalo defense is legit, too. Like, you were bragging about the Browns, and you were right. I think the Bills defense is not far behind. Bills got the number two defense in the NFL in yards allowed and scoring. This is coming off a game where they sacked uh, Washington quarterback Sam Howell about nine times, picked him off four times. And if Josh Allen can avoid the turnovers that made him look so bad in that week one game against the Jets, I think Josh Allen and the Bills make a little bit of statement like, hey, we're still the favorites in this division, and they win this week. I did bet the Bills minus two and a half against the Dolphins this week. But hmm. good luck on your bet because I think uh, you're a favorite to get that one right. I'll, yep. tell you, I'll tell you what, man. This guy's a great follow. At Matt uh, Humans 247 on Twitter. He is uh, the uh, host of VEASAN tonight, senior editor at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it, and I look forward to talking to you again down the road. Anytime, you bet. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the show. Saskatchewan Lotteries, our sponsor, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. He's the voice of the Rams, getting a lot of accolades on Twitter, Sean Kleisinger. I'm the voice of the Riders, Michael Ball, getting a lot of hate on social media and Twitter. <laughs> anyway, uh, 936-6262, you want to send us a text, brought to you by the uh, Capital Auto Group, and our uh, hotline is sponsored by our good friends over there at Western Pizza. And you know, uh, they spend their good hard-earned money with this show, so I want to give them their just due in there, as we like to call in the industry, a tagline. And so we'll tell you, when we're talking about our friends over there at Western Pizza, take a slice out of September and your schedule and let Western Pizza do the cooking tonight. Coming up after 4 o'clock, Arash Madani will join us for Coast to Coast. We will also... Uh, Check in with C.J. Reeves here from maybe Coach Craig Dickinson, too. And then after 4.30, Huey's Heroes and Zeros. And our buddy John Ryan was in Seattle for the 10th anniversary of their Super Bowl win. The only Saskatchewan guy to win a Super Bowl. I, f- I didn't realize that the Seahawks won the same year the... the um Rough Riders won. Yeah, so the Seahawks would have been the 2013 season. They would have won 2014 it the, Super Bowl, yeah. and the Riders won the 2013 season. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Cool. Oh, that's pretty. And then interesting. they then they would have won back to back ones. That was one of the. No offense, John Ryan. Obviously, it was a great game for you and your team, but that was one of the worst games Super to Bowls watch. ever. That reminded me of the 80s and early 90s when the Cowboys smoked uh, the Bills or I just, whatever. I just remember, I think it was like the first Broncos offensive series. Snap that, went right over Peyton yeah, Manning's fourth. head. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, he didn't do any... I don't even think he punted in that game. He just held on... It was a bad... It bad. was bad. MetLife Stadium, I remember. Yeah. yeah, it was the only cold Super Bowl they've ever had. Yeah, it was right? Bad. I it can't was remember a, a cold Super Bowl. Another cold Super Bowl. Well, I don't think no, don't since know. I've been no, no that's I the first cold weather Super Bowl. That might be. That I mean, yeah, be. they've had it in Detroit, they've had it in Minnesota, but indoors. Yeah. Anyway, so let's uh, update you because Bob wanted, and I'm sure other people want to know some practice stuff. So quickly, we will tell you that Anthony Lanier the second was back at practicing, practicing in the interior of the D line. Left guard Philip Blake was back. Center Peter Godber wasn't, so Evan Johnson was seeing time at center. Safety Jaden Dalton. 
Mulkey on track to return this week. Injured quarterback Trevor Harris made an appearance as a spectator, and Jamal Morrow was back, too. He's on track to return this week in BC. For the Lions, Sook Chung, their offensive lineman, did not practice because of an ankle injury, not expected to play. Andrew Pearson will be back in the starting lineup. Dane Evans and David Mackey didn't participate today. They're questionable. Dominic Rimes, Bo Lacombo, and Manny Rogamba all practiced fully and will play as the Lions try to uh, keep pace with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for first in the CFL West. We'll be back with more of the sports cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries after the 4 o'clock news on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. Welcome to the show. The show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, Coast to Coast with Sportsnet's Arash Madani, brought to you by our good friend Brian Gawley. Be smart with your money. Give Brian Golly a call at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Arash, we uh, prep for this segment going a little bit off script. They call it Swiftonomics, and I think I think Travis Kelsey got in on – he got in at the right time. His Instagram followers have shot up by the thousands. He is the top selling – No, by the thousands, by the hundreds. Yes, and he's the top-selling jersey in the NFL. Uh, They are not dating. This was a publicity stunt, and it's working out very well, especially for one Travis Kelsey. No, I would say this is also working out for Taylor Swift. Um, uh, a rash, a rash, a rash, a rash. Taylor Swift didn't need any help at all. It's working out very well for the National Football League, though. That's where I was going with this. That's where I was going with this. The NFL changed its uh, TikTok bio today, Ballsy, to say Taylor, you know, it's something to do with Taylor Swift. You know who the biggest winner in all this is? Because you and I, deep down, Ballsy, we're, we're very similar in all this. Yeah. Uh, you know who won on Sunday? Mama Kelsey. Yeah. Because because Travis was trying to get Taylor's attention. And Taylor was trying to get Travis's attention. And Mahomes was trying to get everybody's attention. <laughs> and Mama Kelsey just had no time for any of them. I love it. Yeah. She was up there in the suite, and, and, and Taylor was trying to give her a hug after a touchdown. She's like, mm, shoe fly, don't bother me. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) Mama Kelsey Kelsey was the MVP on Sunday. That was very well put. Hey, watching the games last night, it feels like it's going to be a struggle struggle for the Cincinnati Bengals this year. That right calf will determine the future of the franchise with with, uh, Joe Burrow there. And I I think it's going to be a long season for Cincinnati. I agree. And the Bengals have a bye week coming up soon. And I know they don't want to hear this, and and Joe Burrow won't be on board for this. But Stinger and I actually did the hit the day of the Burrow calf injury when it first happened back in, what was it, July or whatever. Yeah. And I said, Zinger, they should shut him down until the bye week. And I, I know they won last night. And I know they won because their defense got them the job done. Man, uh, 
that that front is just incredible. But yeah. this this does not heal itself over the course of a week. This is a ticking time bomb, Balzi. This is this is just organizational malpractice when you've given a quarterback two hundred million guaranteed over the long haul. You're just asking for a catastrophic injury that's going to KO Joe Burrow. It is worth sitting him through the bye and then kind of reassessing where you are then because otherwise this garbage is going to continue and you're not facing the Rams moving forward. You're facing Baltimore. You're facing Pittsburgh. You're facing, by the way, a 2-1 and Cleveland Browns team, and that's just in your division. Well, and Cleveland uh, Cleveland has the best defense in football right now. They're they've given up like four hundred points and three four hundred yards, pardon me, in three games. Like it's crazy. They're not giving up I think uh Tennessee had a total of like ninety four total yards. So you're absolutely right. A few slobber knockers there, they gotta play the forty ers so I uh, I totally agree. Hey, speaking of quarterbacks, um I do not blame the Toronto Argonauts for one second for having Cameron Dukes as the starting quarterback in Winnipeg. We saw what Winnipeg does when they want to pound a flesh. We saw it here in Saskatchewan, 51-6. BC found out after they smoked the the Bombers in Winnipeg at IG Field. Came back again. Yes, they were tired, but they got hammered. So you know that Winnipeg wants a pound of flesh for that uh, Grey Cup hiccup here against the Argos. Blame it on the schedule makers. Why in the bloody hell does your CFL Grey Cup champions have a bye week in week one? They should be opening up the season, and if they can't do it at home, they do it on the road in Winnipeg week one, especially if it's your only meeting. And why aren't why isn't every team playing each other? That's crazy yeah, in the 19 uh, we, week. We could go on and on about this. Bo Levi didn't go back to Calgary this year. The Bombers didn't come to Toronto this year. I don't know how we can go. But but I agree with you about this week. I agree with you about Winnipeg. I agree with you about the down of flesh, et cetera. Here's my question for you, Balsy. It is, what, September the 26th? Mm-hmm. The Grey Cup is two months and a week, seven weeks away, two months and a week shy of the Grey Cup. How do you manage now the Chad Kelly workload where you want him to stay healthy, but you want to keep him sharp. Like, we usually have this conversation around Halloween, or maybe the week before Halloween. We're a month away from that. We're five weeks away from that. Yeah. This is, like, it's a good problem to have. Don't get me wrong. I don't say a problem. It's an issue to have, a good thing to have. But, like, I really believe, like, it's about timing. It's about knowing how your receiver moves. It's about having those nuances down. It's about all the body language stuff. This week, no brainer. But, but, move. What, like, honestly, what would you do? Because I don't know the answer anymore. The yeah. rest, the rust, the blah blah blah. I'm glad. I, I, if I'm the Argos, they did the right thing sitting out. Chad Kelly, you don't want him to get hurt. It's going to be a physical football game. So whatever. Uh, okay. Next one, and the next one, and the next yeah. one. Like, there's a bunch of next ones coming up. Yeah, I think probably as we get closer to the season, you might see him get a half. The la- Unfortunately for Ryder fans, we might need that last game to get into the playoffs. And uh, Chad Kelly, I could see him playing the first half here at Mosaic. Okay, we're short on time. I want to get to a few things before we let you go here, okay? Yeah. Uh, the Blue Jays. I said yesterday on the show, 
They're going to get into the playoffs, but I want them to play the Twins, who are notorious for choking, not the Rays. How about this? Two weeks ago, they, they get swept by Texas. Not even two weeks ago. They had a 33% chance of making the playoffs. Now it's over 90%. It's amazing how quickly it goes. And I hear you on the race. Nobody wants to face Tampa. Nobody especially wants to go into the trop to face them. But I'm going to tell you this. I've done a bunch of Octobers. This is how you win in the playoffs. You win with good pitching. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there is a team in baseball, National League, American League, you name it, that's got a better starting punch with Gosman, with Bassett, I guess Barrios too, but especially Gosman, Bassett to get you through, through the first divisional series, wild card series, than the Jays. And everyone in the American League is flawed, Ballsy. They got a chance to make a run here. They really, really do. Because nobody in the American League is any good. They want to throw a baseball thing in here. Brooks Robinson has died, former Oriole Hall of Famer, uh, and he's uh, was a great uh, a third baseman. Pardon me, eighty six years of age. All right, so uh, you're in the vicinity of where the Jays are playing, but you're at BMO tonight. The Canadian women's soccer team back on home soil after they soiled the sheets at the World Cup. A chance for them to right the ship and get back to the Olympics. Yep, they, if they win, tie, or lose by just a goal, they are back to the Olympics today. It's a home-and-home with Jamaica. Uh, they're up 2-0 in the aggregate. They won over there in Kingston, Jamaica, a few nights ago. Well, I'll tell you what, we just got the starting 11. Um, Christine Sinclair is coming off the bench. This, this is not an exhibition. They are playing to win, and they're playing for Paris where they want to defend their gold medal. This is something that, that we learned yesterday that I find very interesting, and I think you will too. The World Cup was a complete disaster for Canada. Mm-hmm. And during that tournament, some of those young players are like, wait a minute. Like, we get that you're the vets. We get you guys have accomplished things. But our voice matters too. And now in the locker room dynamic of this team, It doesn't matter what your service time is. It doesn't matter how much or how little your experience you have. Your voice matters. Your voice has reach. And they want everybody to be part of this. And and I haven't heard that in a lot of team dynamics over the years. Usually the rookies, the younger players just have to kind of stay quiet. I I think that's a really interesting takeaway when you flop so badly at a World Cup, at a World Championships, that they come out of that and say, okay, there's no pecking order anymore. Everybody matters in this mix. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, really interesting. That's why we like having you on. You bring some great perspective. Have fun tonight, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks, Baldy. Take care. That's Arash Madani, Smart Investing Solutions. Sponsors coast to coast with the Sportsnet. Great reporter. When we come back, our clutch performance, and we'll get to other stuff too. CFL, NFL, you name it. It's right here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM.
and saw what he was able to do with the run game while he was in San Francisco. He's brought that a little different style, of course, in how they are playing, but yet the creativity is still there. And I think a lot of credit goes to their personnel department, the way that they've been able to bring in some speed and the way they motion and, and use those guys and get them running. In, in some ways, it, it looks like a CFL offense where they're hitting it on the fly with some really fast people and they're stretching the defense. And then two is making great decisions and delivering the football like a point guard. So, And our clutch performer there, as you heard, is Troy Aikman, the former Dallas Cowboy Super Bowl winning quarterback now, Monday Night Football announcer, recognizing our great game, the CFL. It must be an exciting game. Troy Aikman said it is. Our clutch performer for Nick's service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Cleaner, and Fent dealer. Give him a call, 781-1077. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. 26 years as a head coach, 33 years coaching. It is Tom Sargent of the Saskatoon Hilltops. Has that 26 years flown by? Oh, I'd say so, yeah. it's uh, It's been quite a ride, but you know what? We're living in the present and uh, taking on what's coming our way. And we've got these mighty Regina Thunder coming in this weekend, so ready for that. Yeah, so tell us about the first meeting. How did you see it through the hilltop sidelines there? Well, you know what? We sort of got a little bit of energy, a little momentum, and, you know, let's get real here. Regina has done a heck of a job. Anytime you go into Mosaic, it's that's not an easy place to play, but... You know, we made some plays. Our, this young team's confidence grew and grew, and by I guess by the end of the game, we felt pretty good about the performance. Yeah, I would say so. It was a, per, a pretty convincing performance. How uh, I know you live in the present, Tom, but how nice was that to uh, get back some, uh, I don't want to say what you lost, but what the Thunder kind of gained here the last couple of years. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, anytime you're coaching a team that's got a lot of room to improve and grow and, and, and they put on that type of performance. It's just let uh, bigger and better things. And, for example, this past weekend, we get down, you know, give up a touchdown to Empton Huskies. But then for the next three quarters, we sort of, you know, rule the roost. And, and you know, as I said, it's uh, this team has, has a very strong upside. And each game they play, they're getting better and, and uh, feel real good about, you know, us moving forward. We're, yeah. we're in a good situation. Yeah, you talk about a young Hilltops team. What's that like for you as a as a veteran coaching staff? It's been rejuvenating. It's been a lot of fun. We we've had you know we, we've changed some things up. You know we're real with that. You know last year we had twenty three fifth year players, and and this year I think we're, we're sitting at about four. So you know when you when you break that down, we we've changed some things, and I think we're seeing the fruits of the labor. And hey. And these players just stepped up. They showed up and they played hard. And and as I said, they're uh, they're ready for for more opportunities to compete. Was that always the plan, Tom, to go younger? Like, were you looking ahead two or three years? Well, when I decided to come back last year, I said, you know what, guys, I, I got a two year plan. And you know, I won't lie, we're, we're ahead of schedule where I thought we were going to be. And that's a credit to the coaching staff for the the hard work they've put in, and, and credit to the players. They're, they're getting old-school coaching, and they're responding to it. Yeah, talk about that. How is the old-school coaching meshing with the with the young, new guys that are trying to figure out what it means to be a hilltop day in, day out? Well, better than I thought. You know, at the end of the day, there, there, there are a whole bunch of kids that have responded. Hey, we we got a lot of new starters, so half the bells, you, you, don't, you just didn't know what we were going to 
end up. And, you know, all of a sudden we've we got a safety and Dalton Urban who's got four interceptions. We've got a new punter who's leading the league in punting, a place kicker that's, you know, 16 for 19. And, you know, you just keep going, you know, four new starters and old line. And it's just, it's just been real neat to see. And, and as I said, and we're only getting more cohesive and gelling more as a team as we move forward. And, you know, we're looking to, you know, hey, as we head into Game 7, we're looking to play our best game of the year, Gates of Thunder. Yeah, so let's talk about that for a second, because you guys have been top dogs for a very long time. The Thunder starting to put it together slowly and consistently here in Regina. Um, you know, how much does that fuel your fire, having a a, a, comp, a competitor that's going neck neck and neck with you? Well, it's unbelievable. It, you know, the, they, they do make us better. It's great for football in Saskatchewan. It's great for football in Canada. And, and at the end, we know they're going to come out and play their, their, their best on Saturday. And we got to match that. And, you know, and, and to be very frank, they probably know us just as well or better than we know ourselves. They probably, you can tell when you coach against them, they're, they're well coached. Their players are in good spots. And, you know, we got up the ante as well. So, you know, at the end of the day, hey, they're, they're going to be pretty fired up to come into here and try and do the same thing we did to them. And, and we know that, and and we're prepared for that, and we expect them to play their best game of the year, and, and we're expecting to play our best game of the year. Nothing like a fall evening there in the home of the Hilltops. It's going to be a great one, I remember, from back in the day. So uh, you, you mentioned a, a two-year plan. How long do you want to keep coaching, uh, Tom? Well, you know what? I, I, I've never put a premium on that. Is hey, I keep showing up. It's, uh, <laughs> my my key still works, and and every time I get that whistle on my neck and head on the practice field, I got a big smile on my face. So certainly love what I'm doing. Love what I'm doing it with. And as I said, certainly enjoying this year. You know what? We're six and zero, and and as I said, we're looking to continue that type of. Uh, success and flavor as we march forward and the scholarship dinner is always big off the field i know the riders tied in with that it's great to have that relationship with the uh the parent pro team oh no question we're so blessed to have that relationship with the riders as as any team in saskatchewan is and looking forward to our special night on saturday night and hey that's one thing i learned though you know the old thunder they they love to spoil that evening force and they've done a good job of doing that so <laughs> you know we 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 got to keep our eye on the prize and make sure we just come out and play hilltop football saturday night it's always great to talk to you tom we'll uh, try not to be a stranger good luck in this game saturday good luck going into the playoffs yeah hey, much much appreciate that ballsy all the best to you as well take care all right, back with your sports ticker, and it is for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. All right, well, the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames have revealed their Heritage Classic uniforms this morning. So Edmonton's uniforms are inspired by the 1952 Edmonton Mercury team. Nice blue helmet, blue jersey with... Orange blocks on the shoulders, orange stripes on the sleeves, light brown pants, light brown gloves. The Flames uniform has a red helmet, white jersey with red piping stripes and red pants. The 2023 Heritage Classic between the Flames and Oilers will go down on October 29th at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. 
Kudos to the organizing committee in Hamilton. The Friday before the Grey Cup, they've got Carrie Underwood coming in to perform. So if you're going to the Grey Cup, you get to see one of the top musical artists in North America and the world, actually, right now. Carrie Underwood coming in. It's outstanding. Uh, the Toronto Argonauts hoping to win their second straight Grey Cup. And they're resting players, as you'd expect, uh, because they have first place sewn up and they will be in the East Final. One game away from returning to the Grey Cup, this time in Hamilton. And they're going to start Cameron Dukes against Winnipeg at quarterback. Uh, people are mad that the you know the Argos are doing this. Bombers were three point favorites. There'll be a lot more now in that game, but uh, you got to give the Argos credit. They're resting Chad Kelly. They don't want him hurt. The Bombers are going to be fired up for that one. Want to take a pound of flesh from Kelly, who came off the bench in the fourth quarter and beat the Bombers in the Grey Cup. <laughs> this nobody comes off the bench and beats you guys. That's ah, hilarious. Anyway, so um, so yeah, uh, kudos to the Argos. Shame, shame, shame. shame. As Roscoe P. Coltrane would say on the Duke's Hazard, shame, 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 shame on the uh, schedule makers. That should have been the first game of the year, especially when they're only playing one time. Toronto, Winnipeg. But, uh, yeah, we'll just, you'll get Toronto scraps against the Bombers, and then everybody will be saying, oh, see, the Bombers are the best team in the CFL. (laughs) That's your CFL report. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Tuesday show, a presentation of Saskatchewan Lotteries, bringing communities together, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport culture and recreation groups. My friend Don Hewitt joins us here, the professor. He's on our pre- and post-game show. He joins us every week for Heroes and Zeros. So uh, let's get right to it, Huey. Your number one zero is? Oh, my number one zero. Uh, I would have to say it's the Rough Riders and Stampeders race for third place in the West, although Edmonton is nipping at the heels, uh, uh, particularly of the Stampeders. Ballsy, when's the last time the last three teams in the West had a combined record of 14 and 29? I can't remember. Uh, I mean, that's crazy uh, for the West to have three weaker teams like that. Uh, very doubtful, Ballsy. If you look at the standings, that there'll be a CFL crossover in 2023 in either direction, really. So the race for the last playoff spot in the West is at an absolute snail space. Yes. Really. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Now the stamps, you know, it's crazy. I think they just added their 18th player in the six-game injury list, most lost for the season. So the horsemen have had more injuries than Saskatchewan, and Saskatchewan's had a lot, so it really slows the race down even further. And You know, I was watching the Stampeder game on Saturday against Montreal, and I was marveling, almost marveling, at how bad Calgary was. And I thought, you know, the... The main area that two teams have in common they, that they share is a lack of physicality. Uh, Calgary lost both sides of the trenches and they lost to Montreal this past Saturday quite badly. Saskatchewan struggled in that area and it just shows you how important the line of scrimmage is because it's uh, really the main reasons why Calgary and Saskatchewan are in this funk fighting for this uh, last playoff spot in the West. And as you said in the post-game show, it gets more and more like that as we get closer to uh, colder weather and September football. I guess that's why they say the real season starts in September. It's a war of attrition. Okay, and I agree with everything you I agree with everything you said there. Let's go with one hero, Don Hewitt. I'm going to have to give my first hero to Pinball Clemens. 
who just got a contract extension a few days ago as the general manager of the defending Grey Cup champion Toronto Argonauts. Now, if you take a look at the Argonauts, attendance is up. A great crowd against Hamilton the other night on both sides of the field. Uh, the Boatman, of course, only losing one game all season this year. They've won, uh, I think it was eight games in two seasons before pinball took over. And since then, of course, they won the Grey Cup Championship right here in Regina last season. They've had three consecutive East Division regular season titles. Uh, pinball made a great choice, uh, picking Ryan Dinwiddie as his head coach, obviously. Uh, the double blue of a tremendous young quarterback in Chad Kelly. And, you know, Baldy, I always thought Pinball Clemens was all about a nice smile. White teeth, great personality. <laughs> He's actually a very astute football person, you know, and he's showing it, uh, turning that franchise totally around. I think uh, if I can throw in here, uh, people have varying opinions on this guy, but John Murphy's done a great job there in Toronto finding talent. You got to give John Murphy credit. Mm-hmm. He has a big hand in what's going on there, but yeah, Mike Pinball Clements, and to think, if his teammates wouldn't have lobbied Bob Obilovich back in the day to put him in in a preseason game for one more chance to return yeah, a, pump, yeah. a punt because he was fumbling it all over the place, uh, we wouldn't be talking about Mike Pinball Clements, and the rest is history, so you never know. Okay, give me another zero, Don Hewitt. Another zero. Well, just today, uh, the ESPN polled uh, 15 scouts, coaches, and executives from across the NBA uh, with a series of questions. And one of the questions was, which team had the worst offseason? And the winner was, drumroll, the Toronto Raptors. Mm. The worst offseason. Of course, one of the main reasons, obviously, Ballsy, Losing guard uh, Fred Van Fleet to the Houston Rockets for absolutely nothing. Now, last February at the NBA trade deadline, Van Fleet clearly should have been traded. But uh, President Masai Jury thought, and wrongly so, that acquiring center Jakob Pertl would probably put the team in a situation where they could make the playoffs, maybe even win a round or two. Of course, they didn't make the playoffs. In fact, they lost their first play-in game, and they lose Fred Van Fleet for zero. Uh, so it's just an absolute gaff by Masayu Jury. Now, the good news, of course, the bit of a surprise at the FIBA there uh, a month or so ago when German Dennis Schroeder won the MVP of the FIBA tournament. He's the guy that's taking over. Uh, from Van Fleet. So that was a bit of a surprise, but mm-hmm. the team has been in a slow and steady downward trajectory ever since they won the NBA title in 2019. I'm not saying 2019 was a fluke by any means, but it just seems like uh, Messiah Jury just can't get it done right now for the Toronto Raptors, and they don't look like a team uh, right now that'll certainly make the NBA playoffs. Well, when you look back at it uh, and look now, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but both sides were better off with each other. Kawhi Leonard in Toronto, and the, obviously the yep. Raptors with Kawhi Leonard, right? Leonard's done nothing since leaving Toronto, no, and no. Uh, the Raptors have slowly declined. Hey, when did you start to become a huge basketball fan? I don't take you as a basketball guy. Uh, no, I started uh, getting into the Raptors probably about 15 years ago. Part of it was because my wife uh, likes two teams in sports, the Rough Riders and the Raptors. And so 
she's always trying to edge me out of Montreal Canadiens games in mm. the winter so she can watch the Raptors. It forced me, Ballsy. It absolutely forced me uh, to get a second television. <laughs> I, I can watch that. Well, look at your wife uh, stimulating the economy. I love it. Okay, yeah. uh, Don, you would give me your last hero. Well, and this isn't my last hero. This is a real hero. Uh, I felt from last Friday in Ottawa, Ballsy, Ryder defensive end, Christian Albright. Four tackles, you know this better than I do. A, a great tackle added on in special teams, two sacks and a forced fumble last Friday. And, you know, at 6'2", 240, I just like his body type. It's exactly that of a CFL defensive end I've always felt. A monster game, Ballsy, after sitting on the practice roster all season. Yeah, and, you know, I when you think it. about you think about what he did there. You can't get in game shape, as you well know, Ballsy, uh, until you play games. Like, you can't really get into game shape at practice or working out in the gym. So it's going to be interesting. He'd probably be a little stronger Friday in Vancouver with a game under his belt. It'll be interesting to see what he can do against the Lions. But, you know, Christian Albright, he's only 24 years of age. He's young. So maybe he could be a bright light for the Rough Rider future, maybe a long CFL career here or there. If he keeps doing what he did the other night in Ottawa, he might get an NFL shot, but he hasn't proven that by any stretch of the imagination. But it was it was fabulous to see his breakout game, wasn't it, Bolton? Yeah, absolutely. I loved it, man. And uh, it, it, it speaks to where was he? Why couldn't he get on the roster? Put him on DN, and when Lanier comes back, put Lanier on the inside. That's no, what exactly. that's what you do. Hey, two more things. Uh, we're done yep. with Huey's heroes and zeros. But listen, I am all about um, <laughs> keeping the old guys around. The older I get, okay, I'm not kicking. I don't want to kick people to the curb. I think legend should be uh, continued to be utilized. That's why I brought you back on uh, the airwaves. But at some point, we got to stop recycling these old coaches. Kevin Constantine. Now I don't know what's mm-hmm. up with this. What happened there? But you know, you got Babcock. You got Constantine. When is hockey going to learn? And uh, even what the Lethbridge Hurricanes did as well. Yeah. Uh, in Peters coming back as a head coach. And Constantine's been in trouble before. Mm-hmm. This isn't the first time. I think he made some players wear their hockey gear in the bus after an exhibition loss and whatnot. Did some bullying tactics before. And I totally agree with you, Ballsy. These guys just can't figure it out and learn to change, or it doesn't appear that they can. I mean, what did Babcock have? Mike Babcock had, what, three and a half years to figure out how to change? Was it three and a half years? Somewhere around there. And he couldn't do it. He just couldn't help himself. And it looks like Constantine couldn't either. So I I do think that the ridiculousness of this is finally going to put an end to these uh, old school coaches being hired because uh, teams are going to get so careful now. And mm. But it, it shouldn't have happened to begin with, really. And... Uh, uh, you know, uh, Babcock should never have been hired to begin with either. We'll see well, how Peters does with uh, Hurricanes yeah. in Lethbridge, whether he can break his old mold or not. Yeah. Okay, and lastly, I am not. I don't care whether they win or lose, but I know you're a Blue Jays fan. <clears throat> I would rather see the Blue Jays play the Twins than the Rays in the first round. How about you? Yeah, I'd rather them play the the Twins, because the Twins have a, a way of choking in the playoffs for whatever reasons, where, where the Rays have had some manner of success. I was pooping on the Blue Jays uh, on Heroes and Zeros about a month ago, but the one thing 
that they did do is they brought in better character into their dugout and clubhouse, I thought, than what they've had in the past. And uh, that might be starting to show. We'll see whether their manager can get them over a hump and get them into the playoffs and win a playoff game. I don't know. But I think they've got uh, some better dudes character-wise on the team right now. And uh, Ross Atkins, uh, his job's on the line. There's no question about it as to you know how they're going to fare here. And, and one thing that helped them, was the Yankees. The Yankees just uh, having a off year and not playing good baseball at all opened the door for the Blue Jays in many respects. Lastly, uh, I'll throw one more in here because I won't talk to you before Friday. What do you think on Friday? How do you think that one goes? Is it going to be close, a ride or loss, or, or do you expect more of the same on the road? Well, you know, it's funny because it's always when you're absolutely sure that they have no chance to win a ball game when it just looks dismal that something crazy happens and you're surprised and shocked. Uh, You know, they're playing so bad on the road against a good opponent who, you know, the Lions fighting Winnipeg now for first place and it's legitimate. Uh, But, you know, you just, you can never predict a hundred percent. The one thing I do know is uh, I think they can beat Hamilton here. I really do. Powell, really with a rough game in Toronto the other day. I think they can beat Hamilton. And what I saw of Calgary uh, against Montreal, I think they, they'll have a shot in Calgary as well, and that would do it for a playoff spot. But, I, I you know, a lot of people are expecting really Saskatchewan to get blown out in BC, and I, I, I'm saying, well, just wait a minute. You never really know. Don Hewitt, we know one thing. We love this segment. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, you have a good rest of the show, Ballsy. Thank you. I love the professor, Don. He had Michael Ball back in studio along with our friend, Sean Kleisinger. Don was joining us in the Western Pizza Hotline. A late breaking zero to add to Huey's Heroes and Zeros. Now, if this happened, I don't care what people say. I bring this up because I always have to argue with losers about the validity of the CFL. Troy Aikman earlier mentioned the CFL. Obviously, he respects it. Not, we only really love things when the Americans somehow tell us that great. But check this out. If this happened in the CFL, Bush would be like it would be, that would be what you'd hear for the CFL, okay? Josh Dobbs, the career backup who just helped the Cardinals beat the Cowboys 28-16, went into the Cardinals team store (laughs) (laughs) to buy his own jersey for a family member and his jersey isn't available at the team store. And he's the quarterback. And it gets even worse, too, because like he walked up to the kiosk that yeah. helps customers create a custom jersey. Yeah. So it's like, it's not just he didn't have one made already yeah. and it's yeah, hanging. Could, he wanted it custom made. He, he wanted it. He could but, get, but But he, his name was not on the custom like list. players that you could pick from. So, yeah, that's just... You wonder why the Card- you wonder the wonder why the Cardinals are picked the worst franchise in terms of ownership in the NFL. And they had a great opportunity to take the field in some nice unis this year, and they revealed some. Yeah, uh, they should have went back to the old uh, Emmett Smith, uh, Jake Plummer days. Just right, beautiful unis. Those yeah, were. they were great, man. Beautiful. Yeah. 
You had. Uh, I'm a uni snob. If, you are if a uni nobody, snob. Nobody noticed yeah, by you, now. We, there should be like some sort of uni uh, I'm the, division they, that you're in charge they of. They call me the uni doctor because if you need a, a uni fixed, yeah. you just give me a call at 306. Uh, I'm not going to get my number out, but yeah. you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. You, you are good that way. Hey, speaking of that, let's give a number out right now. 936-6262-1866-767-0620. We'll take your call on the other side. Pick the score. Chance to pick the score for Sastel and go to that October 7th game. Riders and the Hamilton Tiger Cats could have huge playoff implications. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries. On your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show. Uh, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we do appreciate it. Our show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, bringing communities together, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Coming up right after 5, John Ryan joins us to talk about the big celebration they had, 10-year reunion of the Super Bowl team, the only Saskatchewan kid to win a Super Bowl, which is cool. Would have won two in a row if Pete Carroll and... I think, uh, oh, what the, was it Derek Bevel was their offensive coordinator? And they decided to throw a pass to the goal line instead of running it with uh, Marshawn Lynch. I'm not laughing. I wanted John to win it. Didn't you? I don't want Brady to win another Super Bowl. Uh, no, because the, the, yeah, the, yeah. the Seahawks beat the Packers in the NFC Championship. They I got to draw the, the line somewhere. They fumbled the onside kick. Is that the one Brandon where... Brandon Bostick, yeah. I met him I met him the season of that happened when I was in Green Bay. Wow. I got my picture with him. So you jinxed him. Little did I know, later on in the year, you he would cost him. my team you a Super Bowl. You jinxed him that horrible Sean Kleisinger luck. By the way, was that the game that John... <laughs> Is that the game John Ryan threw the touchdown pass? Yeah, let's go to him. Yeah, the I can't to bring that up when he's on. Get out of here. Okay, let's go to the uh, pick the score now. It's for Sastel. Let's go to the phone line, Western Pizza Hotline. Say hi to our friend Sadie Anderson, I believe. Hi, Sadie. Hi. How are you, Sadie? I'm good. Good. So, Sadie, what are you doing on this uh, beautiful day? This is my favorite time of year. Is it your favorite? The bugs are dead. The leaves are changing color. Uh, all the sports are on in every league. Like This is the best time of year. Don't you agree? I do agree. Yeah, I love it. Okay, Sadie, um, here we go. Pick the score. BC Lions, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Doesn't matter what score you pick. You don't have to pick the Riders. Uh, we're not going to get make fun of you or anything like that. You already got two tickets to the game against Hamilton. I think it's going to be 25 to 18 for the Rough Riders. Wow. Go Rough Riders. Go Rough Riders. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Can you sing green? Hey, do you know how to sing green is the color, Sadie? Yeah. Okay, let's do it together. Let's do it together. Ready? Me, you, and Sean. Here we go. One, two, three. Here we go. Green is the color. Football is the game. We're all together. And we sound really lame. Hear us song through the sun and rain. Saskatchewan. Anyway, that's good. Sadie, 25-18. You got the Riders winning. If you're closest to that score, right on the money without going over, you've got a $200 gift card. To Sastel, and then you'll be in the running for uh, a game next year where you're in a suite watching a game, okay? Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sports Cage. Tell all your friends and family, Sean and my uh, livelihood depend on it, okay? Thanks.
Okay, thank you. Take care. That's right. Don't hey, hey, we 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 want to still be working. Hey, by the way, speaking of still working, Pete Robertson's still shoveling. Uh, like I always said, uh, you know, when it's your time to, you know, saying show your showcase your, your skills, he definitely did that, and uh, we was all excited, you know. And uh, at the end of the day, when you got a guy coming out there first game, first time being in the semifinal, and he make his debut like that, you know, it's. It's something you, you, you can't ask for a guy to do even better. You know what I mean? We we all loved it. I was so happy for him. And, uh, man, we, we, we cheering him on. You did say that you were kind of one of the guys that's helped him since he got here. How does it right. feel when you hear that? Um, you know, I, it, it feels good because uh, – you know, when you see potential in guys, you know guys that can they can play, and you know they gotta wait their turn. You know, uh, me being a, a leader on the team, I, I never tried to turn my back on none of them guys. And, and any to any situation, especially after practice, I tried to help them with hands or anything with a get off. But a young guy like that, man, he got all the attributes. You know, what I'm saying God truly blessed him, and uh, I, I appreciate him shouting me out for sure. But man, that's that's all him, 100%. Unfortunately, another week, another question about the run defense. Kind of, you guys change anything up this week to kind of remedy it some more? Oh, off, off this game, man, we know a lot of mistakes were just based off us. You know what I mean? Just off game plans and fits where we missed, and we know we, we can't get that up. And uh, the biggest thing, too, though, were the penalties. You know, we, we gave them a touchdown and stuff off penalties. So that that's the biggest thing, man. I think what, what, what kind of messes up where we was getting aggressive, but to a point where we got to keep it between the whistles. Pete, how important is it not to just contain Vernon Adams Jr. from his legs, but get pressure on him because of what he did with his arm last time he was out here? Um, man, the, the main thing is uh, we got to just, you know, attack them. Like well, last time we heard that they win. No. Ah, uh, see, so you see what I'm saying? Uh, we, we just got to attack them. You know what I mean? That's the biggest thing. You know, he's a great quarterback, great, great player, and uh, he got some good guys around him, good skills, some skilled guys, good receivers, and a good O-line that can block, protect for him. So the biggest thing is get pressure and try to get him off his throwing. Don't spot. Is it a big benefit for you guys watching uh, film right after practice? Have you noticed it so far? Oh, uh, for sure, for sure. So we can uh, go on and correct the things that uh, we went over there today. So tomorrow we can just move on from it, and we already know what we corrected. So instead of you know watching practice uh, in the morning, then kind of trying to correct it, and then think about it going out there, we already got it. You know, what I'm saying nipped in the bud. So it's a definite benefit. Sports talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to the show. It's brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. Want to update you on some CFL stuff, at least as it relates to the Rough Riders-Lions game on Friday. Defensive lineman Anthony Lanier II was back at practice on day two playing mostly in the interior of that D-line where he was an all-star last year. Phillip Blake also back practicing. Left guard left the game early in Ottawa last Friday and didn't uh, participate in practice yesterday. Center Peter Godber is still out. Be a shame if he missed the second return trip to BC. Missed the first one earlier this year in that 19-9 loss because of a left-hand injury. So with Godber out, Evan Johnson was seeing time at center. Jaden Dalkey on track to return this week at safety. Injured quarterback Trevor Harris made an appearance as a spectator. Jamal Morrow is on track to play. Offensive guard Suk Chung Ankle issue, will not play for the BC Lions. Um, game time decisions for their fullback, David Mackey, and their backup quarterback, Dane Evans. But playing, for sure, will be Dominic Grimes, Nelson Lacombo, Manny Ragamba, and offensive lineman, Andrew Pearson. Joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline is our friend, John Ryan. 
Uh, only Saskatchewan kid to ever win a Super Bowl, and he was just in Seattle. It's the 10-year anniversary of that Super Bowl. I guess it was the 2013 team, but the 2014 championship, right? It's kind of weird, the NFL, that way. Yeah, with the playoffs landing the next year, that's how it always goes. Yeah. So before we get to that, before there was Swift and Kelsey, there was Sarah Colonna and John Ryan. You trailblazed. <laughs> you tra- you trailblazed it, my friend. I think I saw today his jersey sales went up like three hundred and fifty percent or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I when Sarah and I started dating, mine went up four, and it was all purchased by her family. So I don't think it's quite comparable to two uh, scenarios. I will tell you this: I brought this up. What do you think of this? I don't think they're dating. I think this was all a PR stunt. I don't think they're in love. I think like the NFL got a huge bump because Taylor Swift's there, and more people, more eyes are on it. Uh, Tay. Uh, uh, Kelsey, obviously, um, you know, he, his Travis Kelsey, his jerseys just went up, got uh, hundreds of thousands of more Instagram followers, which will bode well for his social media with his brother, Jason. I think this was all a PR stunt. It is very well could be. I think that if it is, he's really going to regret it on the backside because he's going to have about 5 million, probably 50 million 14-year-old girls are just hating him on Twitter every day, and he's got to put up that for the rest of his life. And then uh, an angry song written by Taylor later on that he'll have to hear all the time. So yeah. if it is a media uh, ploy, I think he's screwed up. Well, and that's just, that's that's where she gains, right? Because she can write a whole album about the Chiefs and Mahomes and Kelsey and everybody, right? Yeah, I mean, she dated Jake Gyllenhaal like 20 years ago, and there's, he still gets hate on his Twitter account. So, I mean, yeah. um, people absolutely love her. So um, I hope that uh, Travis is truly in it for love, but probably not. Uh, thumbs up or thumbs down, uh, Travis Kelsey's uh, outfit that he was wearing after the game, walking out with her. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's a thumbs down. I mean, I couldn't pull that off in a million years. Yeah, but I saw today that outfit is like sold out online now. So I mean, it's crazy. People, like people it. are ridiculous. I mean, I, yeah, the people are ridiculous. And John, they say that there's a rumor going around to get her out of the suite where she was in Mama Kelsey's suite. It was funny. Mama Kelsey'd have nothing to do with her either. Get out of my way. I'm watching the game. <laughs> but they snuck her out in a popcorn machine. That's what I heard. I did. I did see that today. Whether or not that's true, it's pretty wild. Hey, how about this? Now, you joke about having four jerseys all purchased by Sarah's family. By the way, you have a gem of a wife. But anyway, um, Josh Dobbs helps the Arizona Cardinals beat the Dallas Cowboys when nobody gave him a chance. They were 12.5-point dogs at home. He went to the key. He went to the store today to buy a jersey for a family member, and his jersey wasn't in the store. He's like, probably in his mind, he's like, okay, like, really? No, nobody thought. I got here 17 days before the start of the season, so I get it. So then he goes to the, the kiosk, and he goes to get a custom-made one, and his name is not listed, you know, amongst <laughs> the names that you can custom-make a Cardinals jersey. Have you heard anything so Bush League in your life? That's hilarious. No, that, that that is hilarious. I know they most teams only have you know five, six, seven different guys that are already pre-made and on the shelf. So that doesn't surprise me that his jersey wasn't available. But most teams have every guy's name on the on the roster available for purchase to be ordered. And so to not have him on there is a, a bit of an oversight and a little embarrassing, in my opinion. Dude, you were one of the top-selling jerseys here in Saskatchewan when you were a member of the Rough Riders. Everybody jokes about the punter, but you were in the top three the couple of years you were here. Was your jersey, the John Ryan jersey, ever in the Seattle Seahawks store? Or did you have to get it custom-made? 
Uh, it was it had to be custom made for I think the first eight years I was there, and then they did have it in the store for the last two. And uh, actually, if you if you hit a certain threshold, then you get a kickback from your jersey sales. Yeah. And uh, right around that Super Bowl time, is like I kind of hit that threshold, and that was the only time in my career that I hit that got that uh, that royalty check, which was nice. But uh, it is. was uh, it was maybe more popular than people might think, but it, there wasn't the, there wasn't a ton of money. Now, was that in the era when you had the long like wrestling hockey hair type deal? No, that that's when they sold the uh, socks with my face on them. Though that that was the the one uh, piece of merchandise that came out of that. Oh, nice, man. Um, so what was it like going back, celebrating a you know ten year champ? It's kind of funny. You're a Ryder fan. You won your Super Bowl the last time the Riders won a great cup. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even I didn't really register to me until I started reading some articles about uh, the Riders uh, anniversary coming up. But it was just it was crazy being back. It was uh, the first game that I've been back to. In Seattle, uh, the whole team came. Almost the whole, all the guys were there that could be there anyways, 35 or 40 guys. And uh, we just, uh, to be honest, just a party for three straight days, you know, just uh, catching up. Uh, it was it was just like we all stepped back into the locker room from 10 years ago. It's like no time had passed. The uh, guys, uh, you know, shooting the you-know-what and mm-hmm. guys, uh, you know, picking up fights that they left off on uh, nine and a half years ago. That uh, just you know, just hilarious to be back there, buddy. Okay, so give me one fight, like one fight you can air, like what one grievance? What were you guys fighting about? <laughs> I, there, there's most of them you can't. The, the one fight, no, well, uh, I've seen argument. Yeah, uh, one player was not happy with his contract negotiations with John Schneider uh, <laughs> nine years ago, and he brought that up right away. The first thing you said to him, like, like very seriously too, like what the hell went wrong in our contract negotiations ten years ago? And John's like, I I negotiated. Thousands of contracts since then. I don't even remember. That <laughs> you know? is, so it's just funny how guys hold little grudges inside, and uh, yeah. nine, ten years later, it still comes out. Who besides the kicker? Who is your best friend on the team? Oh man, uh, there was a, there was a running back named Derek Coleman. Uh-huh. Uh, he's a, he's a great guy. He came from my golf term, Regina. Yep. Uh, he's now working for the Green Bay Packers. He was actually the first ever um, legally deaf player to play in the NFL. And, uh, he's, uh, he's a guy that I, I still keep in touch with, and uh, we're still close. Let's talk about that NFC Championship game. No! Sean Kleisinger, the big Packer fan, you threw a touchdown pass. Take me through that play. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of a dire situation. We were I think we were down oh, about 19 points or 17 points, and it was pretty deep into the third quarter. We hadn't even scored a point yet. Uh, and we actually put this stake in on, I believe it was Thursday, Thursday leading up to the Sunday game. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a fake that we saw all year. We didn't practice all year. It was a fake that we kind of had uh, based on what they were doing, uh, crashing hard on that outside. And so it just it happened so quick. You know, as I run on the field, I just look over at Pete, and he calls the play, calls for the fake, and I was like, wow, we're, we're doing this. Like, it's this is either going to be the what you're known for forever in a good way or what you're known for forever in a terrible way. And uh, it just worked out absolutely perfect. Uh, scored the touchdown. Uh, and then, you know, that sparked the comeback. You know, yeah. we, we have absolutely one of the craziest comebacks. You know, onside kick, crazy two-point conversions, you know, a 50-yard pass to win it in overtime. It was just uh, one of the craziest games, and I'm just kind of always – I'm always proud that I helped kind of spark that because uh, in my position usually, you know, you're not the – you're not the – carried off the, the 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 field on guy's shoulders when you're a punter usually, you know? Mm-hmm. Not that I was that day, but you know, that's that's kinda how I felt. So it was pretty good feeling. No, I was good. And it was must have been nice to beat the dreaded Packers, the team that uh, you know, said they were done with you. It was. You know, you you try not to hold grudges. Uh and that even at that point, you know, that was uh man, how many years? That was like seven, eight years after they had cut me. So 
uh, you, you kind of act like it doesn't matter. And then uh, when you're in the moment, you're just like, you just want to put the screws to them and it feels so good. It kind of feels like a you know, personal vendetta. It felt pretty good. Yeah, that is awesome, man. Uh, lastly, I want to get a shout out. You know who You know who might deserve some big time credit? Like Geno Smith is having a renaissance there. Uh, another good game. 69% of his passes he's completing. The Seahawks, uh, you know, had that stumble in week one, but I think it really woke him up. Pete Carroll's good for rallying his team, as you would know. But how about Kerry Joseph, the former Saskatchewan Rough Rider quarterback that's on the coaching staff now, and he's going to have to have a hand in turning Geno Smith around there. Absolutely. I mean, that's uh, that's probably the guy that Geno Smith will be talking to the most day-to-day. And uh, obviously, you know, what Pete can do, as we've seen with the quarterback, what we've seen, what has not happened with Russell, or has happened, however you want to look at it, in uh, in uh, Denver, uh, you really have to think that Pete has a lot to do with this. And now with, with Kerry in that room, uh, a lot of credit's going to go to him, you know, because uh, as I said, he's the guy that kind of has his hand on him every single day. Absolutely, man. Well, thanks for your time. I really appreciate going down memory lane with you, and I always love talking uh, pop culture. Kelsey and Swifty, not quite as big as Ryan and Kelowna, that's for sure. That's right. <laughs> Take care, man. All right. That's John Ryan joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll be back with more in a moment here on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show here. Glenn Suter joins us before the end. And we'll also hear from Alberta Watchy in conversation with our own Blaine Weiland. 936-6262, the number to text, brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. This is from Chris and Silton. Speaking of Lanier the second, why even bother, uh, bother? How many games has he not been injured in two years? Four, maybe. That's a little stretch. But, yeah, he has been nicked up. Very physical position he plays. It's a car accident on every play down there. It's 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 a lot tougher than you'd think. By the way, uh, uh, Sauce Gardner accused uh, Mac Jones of punching him right in the... In the grapes? Like grabbing him. Yeah, grabbing him and punching him. Uh, Mac Jones denies it. Sauce put out a video that you can't really uh, see, but... Uh, it's a weird thing to lie about, though. It is a weird thing to lie about. He's trying to stop me from having kids in the future is what he said. So uh, Kind of look like a like a pinch or like yeah. a grab. Hey, uh, by the way, Regina Pats game tomorrow. We're live on location. We've got a lot of great guests. James Gallo of the Moose Jaw Warriors, their voice. The GM of your Regina Pats... Al Miller will join us. We'll have Farhan Lalji joining us. Paul McCallum with the latest in the BC Lions. He's, of course, a Hall of Fame kicker, Riders Lions, but he's also their sideline reporter for their visiting game, so he'll talk to us about that. Um, and at the Pats game, they've got every Wednesday, they hand out alumni posters, and there's six Wednesday home games this year, and this will be the first of six. Can't tell you who it is. But the guy will be on our show tomorrow at the end of the show. So then I'll tell you who it is. There we go. It'll be close to the gates opening. First 1,500 get the poster. Okay, so Zinger, we got a minute before we uh, have to uh, get into our next segment here. Please tell me how you reacted to that NFC Championship game. game. We were talking about John Ryan, the Green Bay Packers, going down to Hmm. Ryan and the Seahawks. A lot of, there there, there was tears um, but I remember after the game, I went for a walk like I usually do. I went for a walk. And then, uh, you know, those big 10 garbage uh, bag or not bags, uh, Loris disposals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I was I was wearing steel toe boots because they kicked one because they were sitting by the door. Yeah. And I put on my steel toe boots and then I was 
was going for a walk and I thought it would be a good idea to walk up to the Loris disposal and, and start punting it a few mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. So I, I punted a Loris disposal and I, and I, uh, <laughs> you're a freak show. I remember but that's how I spent it. Well, was, I remember one time and I never did it again. So the chargers on the chargers lose all the time. Okay. They find ways to lose every time. So do you remember that Monday night game in Kansas city a few years ago when all Philip rivers has to do is take the snap, go down on one knee and that's basically over and he fumbled it mm-hmm. and Kansas City got it they went to overtime and won now what'd you do I think Ethan was 9 or 10 and he was sitting on the couch and I was sitting on the recliner we're in our basement and I just started punching the couch like just feeding the couch <laughs> just feeding it no they, these guys why did I, and I just kept I did fortunately I didn't swear but I was just feeding it and I looked back and he was horrified I thought I'm never gonna act like that again like you're a 40 some year old man that's the type of reaction I like to hear though because you, there's nothing wrong with just you people I, we're gonna put a camera on the boot in the booth when I do the games it is a an absolute freak show from when they score to when they don't score and I'm mad because they got I I am absolutely a lunatic in the booth and I'm not making any apologies for it the best thing to do is uh, when you're angry is put a pillow over your face and you can just yell whatever you want at the top of yeah. your lungs yeah. and just it just feels so good after you know you feel cleansed hold on here is there yeah. anything yeah and you got this one like a, this is like a bag so yeah. you just go yeah that's so it. so so if there's a fumble from Dolagala yeah. yeah see doesn't that feel good it does good yeah. job thank you man <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I'm the king here's, at this. Here's Coach Craig Dickinson talking about going up against Vernon Adams. We know what he did last time they faced him. That was an outstanding performance he had, and I know we've watched a lot of tape on him. Um, he's a guy that's got my utmost respect. I've known him since he was a college player at Eastern Washington. And uh, I think with Vernon, you're right, you got to try to contain him because he's, he's just an outstanding football player. can beat you with his legs or his arm. Looks like Moncrief has been getting reps at halfback this week at practice. Is that another change you guys are making? Maybe. We're looking at different ways to line up, Britton. And if uh, you know if it helps us for him there, we'll do it. But really, we just want the guys to know all positions. So we're moving guys around a little bit, and I wouldn't read too much into that. How big of a pressure is it on the defensive backs? We know what Vernon Adams can do with his legs, but it was his arm that really yeah, did against Yeah, and they time. got Dominic Grimes coming back, it looks like, too. So DBs are going to have to be on their game. Jane, getting Jane Dolky back, what's that kind of do to this defense? It helps. It helps because he communicates so well back there. But uh, we'll work him in slowly. We're not going to throw him out there to the wolves all the way yet. Is there maybe a message to stay more committed to the run again you, after not only nine carries for Frankie, despite him getting a pretty good amount? Yeah, we're going to try. You know, I'm going to. I don't mess with the offensive coaches too much because I just feel like I want Kelly to call the game the way he sees it. I got great faith in him and. If he, you know, he sees ways that we can move the ball, we're going to do it. And what what will help is if we can get out to a lead. If you can do that, you can usually run the ball. Is Morrow on track to return this week? Yes, he is. So does Frankie then go off? or, or We what? haven't decided. We might dress them both. Okay. Um, are you guys changing the approach to anything in regards to traveling on the road, doing anything different? No, the road no. We're going to try to play better. That's the message to the guys. All this other BS that, you know, Wear the right color socks. Make sure your hat's on backwards. That's just baloney. We gotta prepare well. We gotta practice hard, and we gotta play well. And and I'm gonna treat them like grown men because they've given us everything they've got all year. Never been an effort issue at all. And we're gonna go out there and and do what we've done the whole year, and hopefully play a little bit better. Have you seen immediate dividends with the changes of practice this week? 
These hornets are flying. Yeah. Uh, no, I have not, but uh, we're hoping it pays off. I know this. The guys feel good about uh, being able to watch film together after practice, so I think that's been helpful. It felt like the energy was a lot higher today out there in the Yeah, morale. yeah. Well, I think it helps with the weather. Beautiful day, and, and the guys understand that, you know, we're running out of times to, to be together. You know, even even with the playoffs, we're getting down to the, the end of the season, and I think guys just enjoy being out here. So, like I said, to, to Taylor, this is a good group. It's been good all year. The effort's been good. The energy's been good. We just got to focus on playing a little better. Craig, you like them and you're nice to them. Do you ever yell at them? Once in a while. We heard you the last game yelling at Mark Kreef during the field. If they if they need if they need a, a little more aggressive tone, I'll try to do it. But you know, I got great respect for these men, and I still feel like people respond better to respectful dialogue than than uh, yelling and screaming. Have you ever benched a guy for something that's gone on on the field? Yep. Okay. We just don't see it quite often. No, sure. you don't see a lot. <laughs> you don't see a lot, but that's okay. Yeah. You're not supposed to, right? What happens in-house stays in-house a lot of times, and whether a guy's in or out, sometimes you don't know. But, yeah, playtime, you're right, though. I will say this. Playtime means a lot to these guys, so when you do take away playtime, the message you're trying to send usually gets home. Is that the most effective method? From what I've experienced, yes. Great. Thank you, Craig. You bet. Craig, just what sort of unique challenges does BC Place kind of bring practicing with crowd noise again here and everything? Yeah, it's loud and it's it's uh, it's kind of stuffy in there sometimes, especially when the roof's closed. So guys got to do a good job of hydrating. The ball doesn't travel as far, so it does affect the kicking game a little bit. Um, those are the two things that, that mainly stick out. What have you seen from just Adam Corsack throughout the year? He's what, the oh, he's been awesome. great punter so yeah, far. Yeah, he's week. awesome. I mean, I wish our net was higher for Adam because he's done everything in his power to help us there. Our guys in front of him haven't played up to par. They know it. You know, we're going to continue to work hard with that group. But Adam's been outstanding. We drafted him number one in the global, and, and we're certainly glad we did. Good. Thanks. Okay. We are back with your sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz, Busy Bee Doors. The garage door specialists. The Toronto Blue Jays taking on the New York Yankees tonight. There are just six games left on the regular season schedule. So we got three versus New York. And then after that, three versus the Tampa Bay Rays. Right now, it's in the bottom of the second. No score from Rogers Center. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. The Regina Pats are back on home ice tomorrow night when they take on the Moose Jaw Warriors at the Brant Center. It's a 7 o'clock faceoff. We'll be on the air at the pregame show at 6.35 and we'll actually be down there live with the sports cage. As you know, we like to be out and about. They'll let us out of the cage and set a portable one up for us at the rink. We can't wait. It's the first matchup in the Trans-Canada Highway Clash, one of the great sporting rivalries, amateur or pro. The Pats coming off two big victories. 7-6 in overtime over Brandon and a 5-1 throttling of the Saskatoon Blades here last Saturday in their home opener. Our Pat Chat, a presentation of our friends over there at the Canadian Brew House. Hit the patio with great deals on selected Corona products on special. And every Tuesday, enter to win a signature CBH Corona patio umbrella. We'll be right back. 
second and long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of Time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. All right, welcome back to the show. This portion of the broadcast, Glenn Suter press coverage brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations. Check them out. Uh, QualityTire.ca. Uh, we heard Coach Dickinson earlier talking about Vernon Adams Jr. He will join us on the show this week on Thursday, I believe. I'm going to catch up with him, get an interview tape so Zinger can run that on Thursday when I'm headed to Glenn Suter's neck of the woods, B.C. Uh, Glenn, uh, welcome to the show. The Toronto Argonauts take it on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They're resting Chad Kelly, and I don't blame them one bit. We saw what the Bombers can do when they want a pound of flesh, so there's no point putting Kelly in that line of fire. Well, it's, it's yeah, it, you know, I, I understand it. Let's put it that way. I completely understand the coaching philosophy. Uh, you know, I think guys like Mark Tressman were very careful with their starting quarterbacks when he had Anthony Calvillo. I think, you know, the only thing, let me, let me just for a second make an argument for the other side. Um, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting for a second that Chad Kelly plays the whole game. I, I think he plays the first two series. Let's say I'm making this argument. He plays the first two series. He starts the game. He goes against, you know, a very motivated Winnipeg Blue Bomber team that have the BC Lions right on their heels. And they have to now, uh, you know, navigate a couple of series against the, you know, the freshest that the Bomber defense will be will be the first two series of that game. And then you, you have him prepare to start. Um, you know, the media aspect is irrelevant to a coach, but it, it would help in the media regard to, to have Chad Kelly starting in that game. Um, but that aside, he's still very young. He, he, you know, this is year one as a starter. This is the team that if you were just to pick them right now, you would say it'll be a rematch in the Grey Cup based on what we've seen. Now, that's with all due respect to the Lions and you know what I mean. Um, having so, so there is some value to a couple of series or at the most a quarter for Chad Kelly to play in this case. However, I'm with you, Michael. I, as a coach, the risk reward judgment call here to me, I'm leaning more to the you know, the, the it's too risky. It's too risky that he hit, even that he hits a thumb. Forget about a big injury. Just, you know, he's following through and he hits a helmet and now he's got a, a chip in his thumb on his passing hand and it's going to be a problem for him through the playoffs. Yeah, like, I get what you're saying, and you're right. He, it's not like he's a 17-year vet or a 7-year vet and he's been through everything, right? He, I mean, you're not going to get any tougher than walking in cold off the bench in a great cup, but I think he was so young and didn't know what he was getting into, he just played football. It could have been a backyard game or the great cup. It wouldn't have mattered. But mm-hmm. but, but here, here's my thing. Like, I, I, I agree with what uh, Din, uh, Din what he's doing for exactly what you said, but I want to ask you this question in a diplomatic way, okay? How much does TSN, does TV have a say in how we set the schedule? Because it is absolutely ridiculous 
you know, the one thing the CFL does not get right, in my opinion, and the, is the marketing and everything around it. That's the difference between the two leagues. They have more money and more teams, and we'll never be able to compete with that. But there's things that we could do that don't cost any money. Where, for instance, if this was going to be the only game that these teams play this year, it should have been week one. It should have been the Grey Cup rematch. Like the, remember, back in 2010, when the Riders and Alouettes played that epic game on July 1st here, after the 13th man game the cfl did something right what the heck are we doing here well to answer your question uh you know i don't sit in the meetings with tsn when with regards to the schedule however i can tell you that um from my understanding there is some influence from tsn when it comes to the schedule but it's only in you know are we going to have a thursday night package with a friday uh the change for instance they would have been involved in the change uh, from a Sunday playoff games to Saturday playoff games. The, the September, you know, two games Friday, two games Saturday, they would have had a little bit of influence mm-hmm. or discussion in, in arranging that because what we're, we're concerned with more than anything is at TSN is when are the games being played? When is prime time and how many games can we get? in primetime in both the East and the West. So if you have a doubleheader, you get both primetime television viewing times. So that's what we are most concerned about and and have probably most most discussions on. And the the part about who plays who, who gets the buy when, um, you know, and to actually look at a schedule with off-season playoff movement, that's all the league. That is 100% the league. So, you know, I, I'm i with you on, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell changes teams after a, a career in, in Calgary, and, you know, he's not going to go back to Calgary, even if he was healthy. I know he got mm-hmm. hurt, but if he's healthy, he's still not going back to Calgary to play a game. That's a mistake. You know, you've got to have some flexibility through the offseason to see what's going on and what might be games that you could really market and promote. Good point. Um, and, and I don't understand in a nine-team league why we can't have home and aways, like like you were just saying there. Everybody should get to see every team in every stadium. I agree. And the, and the Great Cup rematch to start the season is ideal. We would love that. I mean, everyone at TSN has said the same thing. That's the way we feel like it'd be great to start. Not sure why we don't do it. Not sure why some of the Labor Day rematches have even been sidetracked at times. Like, yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, what do you make of these riders right now? Three, uh, three losses in a row, uh, and two really. Let's be honest. Two inexcusable losses to two three-win teams. Yeah, I. You know, I. I think there's some questions and some issues on defense, um, and I. I hate to point to just one group. I. I've requested for our zooms because I have the Rider Lions game. Uh, to talk to Jason Shivers. And, I, and I'm saying this with all due respect. I just think when you look at the analytics right now, the, the riders are giving up way too much on the ground. You know, they're down to either last or second to last and giving it well over 100 yards every game along the ground. They're allowing more points than any team. Um, and, you know, they're not creating turnovers. They're not creating plays that give their, you know, their offense half the field to work with. So, you know, again, it's a team game. It's the ultimate team game. You know, you don't, the one thing that, um, you know, we saw 
throughout the last three or four weeks from Jake Dolagala was that he wasn't making the mistake. He wasn't throwing the picks. Well, he threw a couple picks in this one. You knew that was going to happen. It's going to happen with the young guy. And that's when you need your defense to bail you out. And I, I'm just, you know, I'm not pointing fingers, but I'm just saying the analytics and what I'm watching, the concerns for me right now if I'm a rider coach is on defense. So Dolagala throws an interception. It's going to happen. Uh, Ottawa scores a touchdown. You get the ball with 16 seconds to go. How do you feel about how they ended that half by going to the air once again? Um, I have to go back and look They're at it. They're at the 45-yard line with 16 seconds to go, both their own 40-45 yard line right in there. They'd just given up a touchdown, yep. so uh, Montreal took a 16-13 lead after the two-point convert. Luke and I were of the opinion that maybe you should eat it, go to the half. I know you're leading most of the half. It sucks you're down, but at least you're only down by three. Now you turn it over on a fumble by the QB as the right tackle gets blown around council, and all of a sudden now they got a field goal. I know it's not insurmountable but that they never could get the game back. Yeah, I do remember that now. Yeah, you know what? Um, conventional wisdom probably says regroup at halftime, especially after a real negative play like a pick, um, and and that you gave up the, the major. Um, but I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to really. This wouldn't be a hill I I died on when it comes to mm-hmm. criticism because it, it's never wrong to be aggressive and go play to win. Uh, and if you and if you throw a bomb that is caught with a DB tripping, and it and it happens for you on that play, everyone goes, "Oh, that's great! I love it! Aggressive! We're right back in! We got that touchdown back!" And away we go. So that was one of those ones I would put in that category, Michael. So. Uh... What makes for a good road team? Because the Rough Riders are not a good road team. What makes a good road team? To me, you got to have a back to what you said. You got to have a stout defensive line and a and a pretty solid offensive line. If your lines travel well, meaning they're pretty solid, then you're going to have a chance to win uh, a football game, no matter where you play. Because those are the spines of the team. That's the spine of the team right there. <clears throat> yeah, the trenches is a good way to start. But, you know, I'll, t- I'll take you back to what was the game where the special teams cover units came out and physically set the tone. And uh, it might have been Labor Day. No, no, it was the, uh, I, mean, it was, I think, I, was it the BC Lions game? Yeah, it was the BC Lions game because TJ Brunson hit Terry Williams. Yeah, okay, there you go. So that that, to me, is what you need, especially when you're on the road. You need you need your special teams unit or your defense to just set the tone physically. Just go out there and twelve hats on the ball, cover like your life depends on it, and you're and you throw your body around and all of a sudden everybody goes, Wow, and the home team immediately squeezes the stick a little tighter. They go like, Whoa, they're coming after us. You know, like like they were cruising. They're at home. They love the crowd. It's inside. You know, it's it's home sweet home. And they get hit in the mouth in the first quarter, and you go, holy! You you almost kind of recoil, regroup, and then you and then you're in a fight. But maybe you're down ten nothing by then. So I, I think the physicality of the teams can can do it. Certainly, domination on on the line of scrimmage defensively. And then, you know, and then the offense can just feed off of that. 
Mm-hmm. So the Rough Riders are desperate to stop a three-game slide. The BC Lions can clinch a home playoff game. And let's, I know you, uh, you don't pick winners or losers. You don't do that. But you said, hey, if we were just picking two, we'd pick Toronto and Winnipeg for a rematch. I think the BC Lions, uh, well, they're honing in on a chance to have a home playoff game here uh, for the West Final. And uh, that'll be their best path to get to a Grey Cup. So you you can bet they'll be licking their chops on Friday. they got to have this one. Oh. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I you know their their chance to get to the Grey Cup is extremely higher if if they that's probably not the right way to say that, but is is quite a bit higher if they if they uh, you know have that final at home, mm-hmm. obviously to mm-hmm. play inside. The, they're they're a fast break, high octane offense with just tremendous playmakers. So you put that in an inside environment, no weather, no wind. That's ideal for that type of offense. You put them in minus 10 or minus 5 in a windy, even a snow possible snowy day in Winnipeg, um, you know, the Bombers are more used to that. That doesn't guarantee anything, but I'm with you. I, you know, I think they will be fighting hard to try and finish strong. And you know what it does? It keeps the Bombers, you know, they want it too. So, you know, Zach Kalara sitting, that's not going to happen. That's just not going to no. happen. They're going to fight fight to the very end to get that home field in the final. 45 seconds, Glenn. Uh, Carrie Underwood, your country music guy. Carrie Underwood performing during Grey Cup Festival in Hamilton. That's a nice touch. Yeah, I love, love that because it's a different, it's a philosophy, uh, just a shift. In, and i hearing from the league office that it's sort of, let's make it, you know, we have the beer gardens and we have the spirit of Edmonton, spirit of Saskatchewan, all those, all those things that are tradition and they won't change, but to add the big names in the week where if you're a, a great cup ticket holder, you get ahead of the line in getting to these concerts and these big names. And I think this is going to be something that goes from Hamilton over to Vancouver and beyond because they're going to make the week that much more value added to the to the Great Cup ticket holder, and I love it. And by the way, hey, just a quick shout out, Kerry Joseph. I heard you and yep. and John Ryan talking about Kerry. Kerry said he's watching the CFL. He sent me a text to talk about our telecast and all that. He's he's a fan, but he he sent a he sent a text saying, "Hey, watching the games up there. Love what you guys are doing. I stay in touch." So I just wanted to let everybody know that Kerry Joseph is watching Canadian football and he's doing a great job down there. Yes, says the assistant quarterbacks coach. Really a big hand in turning around Geno Smith, and I think he'd be a great candidate for a head coaching job in the Canadian Football League. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, he's certainly earned his stripes and proven his wares, and we're endeavoring to get him on the show here this week. He's always uh, kind in uh, being a guest on this show. So thanks for your time. Glenn, I appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. That's Glenn Suter. He'll join us on Thursday. This is uh, the Sports Cage for our friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Hey, I'm Joe with Alberta Watch. I'm learning about a few of your favorite things. First off, Albert's favorite number. Favorite number? Uh, 41's pretty cool. 41's pretty cool. Uh, seven's pretty cool because um, I got seven family members in total. So probably 41 or 7. How about uh, favorite football memory? Favorite football memory. Um, I'll say that first game back from the the COVID uh, uh, lockout, whatever, coming against BC, we started pretty hot and it was just like seeing everyone in the fans and everyone excited just like I was. That, that's probably one of the better memories. Do you have a favorite coach growing up? Or just um, during recent times? Too? I mean, I've liked all my coaches, you know, like all for different reasons. They always uh, show me uh, 
different things about the game that I can learn, um, different aspects. Uh, I like my, uh, whether it's Majuri or Dickey or even the ones from the past. So I like all of them. I can't really choose one. Favorite team, whether it's football or any other sport? Okay, so outside the Rough Riders, if I had to change yep. sports and make it more fair, um, Real Madrid is pretty cool for soccer. If I had to choose basketball, obviously the Raptors. So, yeah, that'll be it. Do you have a favorite foot favorite football player growing up? Yeah, Steve Smith, Chad Johnson, Andre Johnson. Those would be my receivers. Quarterback would be like a Vic and a Favre. Um, tight end, Kellen Winslow out of the Browns. So not not the old Kellen Winslow, but the, the new one. He was aggressive. Um, stuff like that. Defense will definitely be Sean Taylor. So he's just a hit hard hitter. A couple of there. A couple of you guys there. Yeah. Uh, favorite movie. Saving Private Ryan. That's the first okay. one I can remember going to the theater, watching that with my brother and my dad. So that was the first one in theater I can remember, and that was a great one. I still watched it today. Favorite TV show? Um, favorite TV show could either be Family Guy, Sports Center, or um, yeah, I would say Family Guy or Sports Center. Yeah. Favorite actor? Denzel Washington. I mean, like when he taps into the character, like that—that's you're in the zone with him. So, for sure. Favorite actress. Actress. Um, geez, I can go really anywhere. I, I think uh, P. Henson, Taraji was pretty good. Um, let's see. Another one would be. I mean, they're all really good. I don't want to choose one over the other. How about favorite superhero? Favorite superhero. Um, I'm gonna go Venom. Either Venom. He's kind of more of a villain, but either that or I can go um, Superman is pretty cool. He can pretty much do everything. So, Favorite cartoon character? Ooh, favorite cartoon character. Either um, Ed out of Ed, Ed and Eddie because, you know, he's goofy, but he's also strong. You don't want to underestimate him. And, uh, yeah, probably, probably there, Ed and Eddie. Favorite food? Pasta. It's got to be pasta. I love um whether it's diff different types of sauces, different types of meats that you put in there, you can definitely uh, go wild with pasta. Favorite junk food? Favorite junk food. Um, I would say like oatmeal cookies. I can't really go too much into the junk food because I'm always cautious about how, I, how my physique is and how I'm training and whatnot, but oatmeal cookies is probably the close one. Uh, favorite thing to throw in the barbecue? Oof. Yeah, I would just go with a, just a steak. Just a steak or, no, hamburgers. When you get a nice juicy hamburger, you bite down into that stuff and everything goes everywhere, that's, that's nice. So a hamburger would be good. Uh, favorite band, artist, either one? Um, favorite band or artist? Um, I listen to like more boozy, plies, stuff like that. Anything that's aggressive and kind of gets my uh, adrenaline up. So anything that I'd listen for a pregame, I'd probably listen just throughout my life. So, yeah. Uh, favorite place to travel in terms of CFL, like favorite CFL city visit? Um, favorite place to travel in terms of CFL would either be I would say an East Coast, like Ottawa, Toronto, somewhere that's closer to home, or maybe even a Hamilton. But on the West Coast, I would say, uh, I would say Vancouver. And worldwide, favorite place to visit? Uh, I would say Madrid. I've been there twice so far. Well, or Lagos. Lagos was interesting. Um, yeah, I, Madrid or Lagos. For sure. Favorite scent, like in terms of smell. Favorite scents. Um. You know, like when it when it rains and it becomes all foggy after it clears up, and then like you know the clouds clear up. That that's yeah. it right there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, favorite time of day: morning, afternoon, night. I like the dusk. You know, right before right before it gets dark, you get some nice glows off the reflection, off off cars, off everything. So I'll say dusk. Um, favorite part? Or do you have a favorite quote you like to draw on? 
Um, if you're not hungry, don't eat. That's one quote I like. Um, pain is temporary, pride is forever. That's another one I carry from high school right there. So those would be the two ones. And your favorite part about being a rough rider? Man, just being a part of a community, right? So I, I've been west to east, east to west. It doesn't matter. Like in rough rider, when you're a rough rider, like you, you definitely notice it. You get reminded wherever you go, and you see it all green on game days and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely, just be the, the community part of it. So. All right. Thanks a lot, Albert. I appreciate it, John.